everybody. Hey, so we just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up. Um, today's podcast is really long. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a t- uh, we're going to discuss live action remakes of animated properties. You know, the Disney trend of remakes and all that. And today's episode is just a real long one. If you uh, are not prepared for so much Danny and Molly, maybe pump the brakes. Watch, uh, Listen to it in, in two halves or whatever. Um, but hey, you are probably also stuck at home in a quarantine. So what else are you going to do with your day, pal? I think it's a good one. We had some really good conversation. Yeah. Um, it's just we had a lot to say. I think that we're settling into like kind of relaxed we're finally yeah, molly that was organic if nothing else we are loose at this point <laughs> we <laughs> so are loose, loose. Um, um but yeah just a warning and hey if you if you really hate how long this one is and feel like we should kind of keep it tighter um you can let us, know. let us know if you love hearing us ramble about bullshit if you want five hour long podcasts you let us oh, know. oh we'll do it we'll we are capable it. we are we got, always suppressing yeah. a five-hour conversation always yeah. all right well we hope right. you enjoy yes and let us know how you feel we now return to the Disney Sunday movie. And we're into it. I was like waiting for you to start counting out loud. I'm like, why isn't it counting? No, it's the reverse of a yeah. of a TV countdown where they do the one silent and then the go. Right. The, this, I just do silent the whole time. And then at the end, I say, I'm the guy from Monsters, Inc. who does the countdown before they go on the scare Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. What a Daddy. good film. Um, you want to talk about a good film. You didn't answer. Do you want? <laughs> do you want to? No, I don't. Do you want to watch a good film? Is this gonna be your Come whole thing? Come on, let's go and play. Molly, that is my thing in real life, and you've known me for however many years I've been alive. Can't recall. We can't uh, reveal that information. I'll tell him. I'm 38. Danny. That's a lie. I'm, youth- I'm spry. I'm youthful. We're both children. This is uh, <laughs> each of us has stood this is on the a, preschool edition of the each of us, each of us stood on another child to record this episode because the mics are so high up. Oh. Just like that jar of cookies. There's a jar of cookies that's high on the shelf. I'm not tall enough to reach you. That is uh, those are lyrics oh, to a Sandra Boyton song. Oh, write that down. Sandra Boyton. Sandra Boyton gets her whole episode of this show one day, but not today. Oh. Uh, for the podcast listening audience, Molly has taken out a pen and begun scrawling the words Sandra Boyton on, on them like she's forming a makeshift ideas. hit list. Molly whoa, preparing whoa, to execute whoa. the author of the Philadelphia Chicken. How dare you? Oh, I would but never you. harm such a queen. You promised to never harm a hair on Sandra Boyton's head, but I know that means when we find her, you're going to pluck one hair off her head and say, I won't harm this hair, and then you'll let go of it, and I'll go, you dirty rotten codfish, and then you'll go, I always keep me word, and then you'll sort of drag Sandra Boyton off into the darkness while I cry. Why must you drag my name through the mud with all of my childhood heroes? I don't know. It's Look, I've only ruined you for Sandra Boyton, uh, Dr. Phil, Ellen DeGeneres. I hate Dr. Phil. Don't put him in that Don't category. advertise that you hate him. What if he wants to give us money? Dr. Phil, I know you're <laughs> listening. <laughs> Please, give us money. <laughs> we want it so bad. I'm not going to take the cookies that are filthy so liar's money. Wait, he's a liar? I'm pretty sure he's a liar and a scoundrel. I'm pretty sure it was Dr. Phil, not Dr. Pretty Little Liars. There's <laughs> a reference to the Freeform slash ABC Family drama. Molly has stopped to write down Pretty Little Liars, the energy with which she did it, despite knowing none of you would see it. I am it. writing Freeform slash ABC Family. Oh, oh, I thought you were writing down Pretty Little Liars, because 
honestly, you know what, honestly, that could be a song. Got a secret? Can you keep it? Swear this All one. Right. <clears throat> oh yes, yes. Hi. Hello. And welcome to the Pants Are Today. Oh, I thought you were starting a real conversation for once and asking me how I was doing, <laughs> saying hi, but no, just start I was your little podcast. The fans. <clears throat> All two of them. I think two is being generous. I know we have one. Well, one is me. What? Do you like the show? <laughs> oh my god, this has never happened before. Uh, welcome to the pants. Oh well, no, that you said. I that. said welcome <sighs> to the pants are too tight. Best name for a podcast ever. I'm Molly. And I'm Danny. And we are two <laughs> cool kids just hanging out. Um. Hey, stay in school. Unless there's a pandemic, in which case, stay home from school. That Danny is being an 80s special of a TV show when they talk about drugs. Just because your friends say it's cool doesn't mean it is. I don't know what voice that is. I'm sorry, everyone. At any rate, we are, Molly, what are we? We're siblings. We've known each other for a long time. Yeah, a pretty long time, I'd say. There are people who don't know their siblings. That got dark so It's not quick. dark. It's just life, man. Some people don't grow up with their all siblings. Right, all right. I think well, Jim Hanks grew up in a separate house from Tom Hanks because well, their parents were divorced. Our, how about this? Our father grew up in a different house from his brother. Yeah, but they don't know our dad. They know Tom Hanks. But we know that. I was just surprised that wasn't what that you That I felt the need first. to reach for famous people because I'd rather think about movie stars than real life. Maybe I want to escape, Molly. Maybe the movies are my escape. Anyway, we're siblings and- uh, We obsess about things. We obsess about things. If this is your first oh. episode, you might not know that. If you've listened to others, thank you. Oh, how long are we into this before we told them it's about little things? <laughs> <laughs> they gotta know. If they, they don't I don't think we gotta tell them every time. If you're new, read the description. Wait, what? You can't expect them to read. And not only do I expect <laughs> You demand it? I demand <laughs> She demands it. I Molly demand thinks, it. Molly thinks Read it's, the description. Molly's laughing because she thinks it's so funny that any of you inbred <laughs> fools would read something. You absolute penny loafers. No, I think it's funny they wouldn't read something. Now listen here, read? you verminous toadstools. I dare you to read. In fact, I dare you to read a book. <laughs> I'm not daring anyone to read a book. Listen you can't you. dare people to do things you yourself wouldn't do. I've read books. No, I don't. Oh, you don't I read mean, books. I mean, I have, but Wait, I, when's I don't the, When's currently. the last time you read a book? Well, I'm reading that book now. About... The book is called Now? <laughs> no, that's... Now that's what I call a book. That book about mothers with borderline personality oh, disorder. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's a good book. It's a good book. I've I... been enjoying the parts that you run up to me to read to me. Sort of like a character in a TV show who goes like, look at this, fellas. It says that old man Johnson's treasure was buried beneath the Sierra Madre. Yeah, but mine's about mental illness. Yeah, but it's a little <laughs> less exciting when you run up to me and go, listen, children tend to classify their mothers in these different categories. The witch, the step queen, the blah, blah, blah. You almost remembered. You got I there. almost remembered because I called it a step queen instead of instead the of wicked the, stepmother. Well, or... it was the queen. I know. He but... tried. Well, because in Disney movies, it's usually a stepmother. Yeah, but that wasn't what it said. They would classify their stepmothers as stepmothers, not their mothers. We're classifying stepmothers as stepmothers now? That's sort of pushing them away. Sometimes they can be just as close I'm as I'm not getting mom. into this right okay. now. Okay. If I'm anyone sorry. has questions about borderline personal- personality disorder, direct them to me and not Danny. You could direct them toward Danny, but he might just give you a comedic answer and not... That's not what you need. When no. it comes to real mental health. Folks, take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Um, That's why today's sponsor is 
a borderline, a, a borderline personality. personality disorder. It's fascinating. As frequently made light of on the Superego podcast. Uh, although they're not insulting the mentally ill, they're they're just presenting. They're, they're just insulting the mentally ill. Whoa! It's, let's not, you, let's, you let's like call super, it what I it like Superego. I love Superego. They're not insulting them. I haven't seen their portrayal, I don't know. Uh, well, listen to the show sometime. For those of you who don't know, I am a psychology major. I'm just going to put that out there. Now you're revealing more about yourself to them. It was a little bit. Molly, we were supposed to reveal one thing about ourselves. Well, two things. Number one, we're, we're siblings. We already told them that. Number two, we are obsessives. We love the nitty gritty. We focus on things. And when we pick up on something. This that is our is, own mental illness, really. I See, now you're saying it, and I wonder if. You're maybe making light of the situation. I'm making light of our situation as we are both mentally ill. But yes, we are. Okay. There's three things you have to know about us. Number one, we're siblings. Number two, we obsess over small things. And number three, we are both actual mental ill people. We're not doing this as a fun bit no, for you. No, we're laughing is, because we're in pain. We're in pain. We um, are actually dealing with things, but in a healthy way. By talking into microphones that right now, right have now are covered with your socks. Covered in a pair of socks that I had lying around because I didn't have any pop filters. And by the way, our peas have been popping like crazy. Don't do it on purpose. It's 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 displeasing to hear. <laughs> You're driving them away. This isn't ASMR. Please stay with us mentally ill siblings. It's like The Shining. We're like begging <laughs> these people to come join us and have fun. <sighs> anyway. Not the topic. Not our topic. No. Some other time. So many people are going to have already clicked away. I'm kidding. No one's going to have clicked on it in the first place. All right. Um. <clears throat> so today, what we are talking about, the thing that really has been grinding our gears, that's been getting under our fingernails on a chalkboard. <laughs> Our fingernails are on a chalkboard, but they already have something under them. So yeah. that's um, a great metaphor for the show. We have something that's bothering <laughs> us, so we're making noise to bother you about Ooh, it. Ooh, I like that. That's Molly. We we're... are the fingernails on the chalkboard because someone <laughs> like, stuck something under our fingernails. You sound like Darkwing Duck announcing, I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am. I am the nails table. on the chalkboard of evil. Like you're, you're really mermaid man and barnacle boying it. I like that as a verb. Um, don't wink at me. I'm winking at you. I don't like the eye contact. Anyway, today what we're talking about that really, it's a hot topic here in our house. Ooh, hot um, topic. It's a pretty hot topic, I'd say, in real life. I'm pretty sure that this one other people are also angry about. I think they're going to talk about this at the next presidential debate. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I'd be surprised. No, I, I'm not kidding. I, yeah, I, I, I would be surprised Actually, if they no, did. in a weird way, in our current times, wouldn't you almost expect it to circle around I mean, to something like this? Yes, but I mean, it really depends on who's on the stage. So Ooh, maybe not the yeah. next one. Okay. But... All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, today's topic we're going to be discussing uh, live action remakes of of things that are not live action. No. Things, things like beloved animated films. Yeah. You ever just sitting around watching TV and a commercial comes on and you're like, wait a minute, I've seen this movie before. But last time there wasn't human people in it. There was cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever have the world's slowest realization? Because I do, all the time. I've eaten this sandwich before, but, but last time there was more of it. Now there's, there's less. And, and now that I've taken this bite, there's, there's even less of the sandwich. Mother! <laughs> 
Mother hell! It's a pretty similar realization when you see that some studios are deciding to remake some of your beloved childhood films. I love how vague you're keeping this. There's into really one studio a movie. That's... Well, no, we're going to get specific. I just thought I'd start broad and we'd get more specific from there. Sure, sure. Because every time all... I say we're going to stick to this studio... We seem to not. You're right. So we, we have a real Disney aversion on this podcast, even though yeah, we talk about it. We love so Disney much. so much. Well, now don't. We love it. We I'm not gonna lie Molly, to them. Molly, if Univer- in two weeks, if Universal comes to us and says we will pay you to stop talking about Disney, don't you think you could do it? No. Oh, just on the podcast, not in real life. You could still <laughs> like Disney. I don't know if I could, Danny. Okay, like, me, no. at least 30 things on this list are about Disney. Molly is holding up uh, a few pieces of paper that she's been desperately searching the house for that contain we our many wonderful ideas. We just found today in plain sight where we've been looking the whole time, which deserves its own episode. Because how many times are you looking for something that you've lost and you find it in the place you've already checked four times and somehow it's there, but it wasn't there the other times. And you even had other people look there, but somehow... It it missed all of your eyes, and then it's appeared. And my theory is elves, and I've always believed it was elves. Molly, because there's no other explanation except some type of dissociative identity disorder, which <laughs> for everyone who's looking for it to have would be incredibly uncommon. This is going to turn into a sub-Seinfeld routine of observational comedy is what's happening here. How often do you lose your keys? Like, that's what you're becoming, Molly. I can't let that happen. I can't to a not talk about the real issues if we all pretend it doesn't the real happen issues, to us. Like we'll you're never addressing, get... like you're addressing gang violence. We'll never get to the bottom of it if we don't talk about it. We'll never know where these things go and come from. I'm gonna cut all of this out. Don't vengefully. you dare! You won't remember you said any of this. So I when will. I present you the edited you podcast, you'll is... be like, "Sounds great, Chief." Weird five minute gap of silence because I'm not gonna put anything in this. How gap. dare you? What? You can leave in your crazy rants from the beginning when I say turn it off and then you're just going to cut out my true feelings. (laughs) Anyway. Today's show is about remaking films. Yeah. Live action remakes specifically. Specifically. And we'll come out and say we are not fans of these Disney live action keep remakes. expressing both our opinions at once. Molly, sidebar. Sidebar, come over here. I don't want them to hear this part. Fine. What are you doing? You fucking telling them how I feel right out the we gate? We know. What if we, I go, What if I become feeling. a millionaire and you Disney hires me? You my view on this. I'm not, I what you enjoy? <sighs> no, I didn't enjoy it, but you made me realize I made you angry? how much I didn't. Oh, enjoy it. I didn't mean to do I, something. No, for you. no, I didn't enjoy it. But you gave me even more reasons to not Molly, enjoy it. Molly, my tummy it. gurgled real loud. Do you think it's gonna? The microphone's gonna pick up? That <laughs> no, tummy Danny, gurg- Danny, I think we just slip right back into it. Molly, no one do you will think? Notice. No one will notice. No one will notice. Okay, that's an oh hello reference. We've I'm not telling an audience those. though, because no, no, one can hear no this part. we haven't no slipped back in. No, okay, but real quick, Molly, yeah, um, do you think I should add in a tummy gurgle? Just, because <laughs> if it didn't pick it up, I'm gonna sound crazy for just talking about my tummy. No, they didn't hear this. My tum tum. I don't usually say tummy, and it's very uncomfortable that I'm. Okay, let's just slip back into the. Um. That was a. Um, I hope you enjoyed that message from our sponsors. Yeah. Universal Studios. <laughs> Universal. Don't talk about that other company, all right, fuckers. So uh, Disney is the primary. Um, um. Yeah. So Disney. No. So let's start from the beginning. A very good place to start. No. Um. I think the most famous, and perhaps the most disappointing, of the, the live action remakes is The Lion King. Ooh, look at you. Look at you going. I'm going to go right, swinging about right the out the All gate. right, listen. I have a real hot take on The Lion King. So, Molly, maybe now's the time to 
grab a pillow and head off to La La Land because I'm gonna. I, ooh. He's gonna go. I'll I'm let gonna, you go. Just let me, Molly. Wait, I have a story with it first before oh, you please. get into your hatred for it. So, um, Whoa, don't, don't call it hatred. Okay, I'm sorry. Just that was strong a strong feelings. word. He's got strong. I have no animosity it. towards anyone who worked on The Lion King. No, no, not the people that worked on it. Not the people that worked on it. Just the people who conceptualized it for money. Well, no, Molly, let me speak for myself. Okay, I I just wanted to tell the story that we didn't go see the movie for a long time, and then one night we were like, what would be funny? It'd be funny to go see The Lion King, but we we didn't expect it to be good, and so we went, and we were like, man, it's a good thing Danny got us movie tickets for free, because we would not have paid money to see The Lion King. At the time, I worked at a theater... Um, and it made seem back when uh, the- movie back when theaters movie were theaters open could exist, and people yeah. could go to a movie and yeah, and only slightly it. worry about catching a horrible disease. Nah, from those you're seats. more worried about lice or bed bugs. Oh, I'm still worried about lice. I just well, you can't get it anywhere except from unless the lice were already coming from inside the house. <laughs> Molly, I've been to every store in town. I can't find lice. Hell, <laughs> we're completely out. You know, I just learned, like, not that long ago that there's a lice removal store on a road near us that I pass all the time, and I'd never known it was there. It's a whole store? There's, like, a, it's a place you can go to have them remove lice from your head, and I didn't know it existed, and then somebody told me about it, like, the day before I passed it, and I was like, like... I happened to pass that part of the road like the day after they told me. I was like, Certainly. whoa. And you never I, thought maybe this was a mafia front? No, I, I never saw it before. And I never, no, because this person went there. Like, I never knew that they had a place. Like, that could have avoided me having to put mayonnaise in my hair. Like, that yeah. that would have been great. Can I pitch you real quick an, a theory of mine? Yeah. Because um, <clears throat> I'm not really like a hip kid. No, not the, even kind of. The, but go on. <laughs> The fact that I said hip kid betrays that I am uh, mayhaps a bit bookish, uh, like Velma Dinkley. I, when you try to picture me, listening audience, did you cough on my pod? <laughs> when you picture me, listening audience, picture Velma Dinkley with no glasses and, and uh, some stubble. Anyway, uh, Molly, I know. I wish I looked as good as Velma. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> she got that kooky smile. What, what are you? You're shaking your head. This joke you, doesn't work for you them. You called it your podcast. Yeah, you coughed on my podcast. You and also when I do told some... them you look like Velma, and you don't look anything like Velma. I want. Let me have this. <laughs> not even kind of. I mean, not Molly, even Molly? in the live action version. I of wish Scooby-Doo. I looked like Linda Cardellini. Are you kidding me? Well. Oh, Everyone we, wishes they looked Linda like Cardellini. Linda Cardellini. I think uh, Linda Cardellini it wakes up every day so happy that she's Linda Cardellini. I'll say it. Linda Cardellini looks better when she's not trying to be hot Velma. I'll say it. Linda Cardellini always looks great. That hot Velma, I think they intentionally went for like, haha, Austin Powers oh, yeah. level yeah. humor with that. The, yeah, but honestly, Linda I can't Cardellini. I the squeaking of her pants out of my head. The little. What? What? Yeah. Yeah. Or when she. <laughs> In that children's film, that PG-rated children's film, steps down the stairs and goes, "Who's your mommy?" And then Seth Green goes, "My, my mommy." mommy? Oh, James Gunn, what a screenwriter. Anyway, anyway. what was I talking about? I'm Uh, Velma. Velma. (laughs) I don't know why. See what you did to me. I think we should just get back to the live-action version of The Lion King. Do you have any idea how frustrating that'll be to the listeners who do remember what I said? (laughs) 
What we're doing to that? Maybe we if should you pause remember and what go d- back. If you remember what Danny said, <laughs> us tweet us at the Pants Podcast to tell us what Danny said. Also, you could email us at the pants are too tight podcast at gmail.com. Can you believe someone had already taken the pants are too tight? <laughs> it was me. I once registered the email that was just the name of the show, and then I lost my login for that account. And so now we have to use this stupid one that has an extra word on what is already a long title. <sighs> Folks, I, I have a confession you to make. Made it, I think you should have made them all the Pants Podcast because no, they now, could have had universe, uni, universality, universe. I thought we were talking about Universality. Shut the fudge up. Now um, we're doing fudge? We said fuck two minutes I ago. I say fudge. You say. Hello, hello. <laughs> anyway. I don't know why you're saying fudge. I say hello. We're... My thing is that I sing a lot. Isn't that kooky? Isn't that wild? I don't know what you were going to say. Oh, I was talking about the Lice store. Oh, the Lice store. My theory. Yes, so I'm not much of a hip kid. I look like Velma. Not really, just a bit. Point is, I feel that as a hip kid, sometimes people will say something weird. Like, I remember the first time somebody ever said the word thought, and I was like, what is that? And then they explained to me the uh, the, the somewhat meaning of yeah. thought. And so, and so I was like... Oh, like sometimes people are saying stuff and I just have no clue what they mean. And so maybe when your friend was like, yeah, I went to this uh, life <laughs> removal place. I'm thinking this is like an underground kind of establishment. A little bit of uh, uh, tapping your foot under the stall, let's say. A little bit of this uh, old rubbing jimmies down at the the Shake Shack. A little bit of a uh, uh, glitter on the mattress, glitter I, on the highway. I, I, your friend I, is trying to hook you up. And meanwhile, you're like, oh, one time I put out mayonnaise in my hair. I could have saved myself some trouble. Tee hee hee. No, meanwhile, there is a, a really, love shack. It was really a lice removal. You look like a defeated child. It was, because I was so excited to find out there's a place for this so that your mom doesn't have to put mayonnaise on your hair while you're in the shower. And then you're scarred for the rest of your life because of the smell of hot mayonnaise. Mm. My name's Hot Mayonnaise. Do you know how scarring it is to look back and know that when I had lice, I not only had to have mom put mayonnaise in my hair, but she did it while we were watching Michael Jackson's This Is It. Oh, my God. And then the smell of hot mayonnaise in the shower as you wash that out. It's funny. I just looking at Michael Jackson associate him with the smell of hot mayonnaise. I never. That's a different story. Yeah, that's a different story. No, but I'm just saying that like... I don't know, Molly. Maybe someone was trying to get you to this place, and they were like, "There's a big fella named Hot Mayonnaise, and he'll tell you what no, to do when you get down to the light shack." It was a big deal because that's in our town, and she's from up north. And she was like, "We had to go all the way to your town for this." We had. This is tedious. At any rate. Anyway, the Lion King. The Lion King. They have Ahem. lice. Ahem. You really took this much time to tell me about lice? This was your one interrupt. Mm. No, we had to talk about Velma, which you don't look like, but you just wanted to lie to Hang the public. Hang on, Molly. I, I lost my glasses. I can't see. You don't I wear glasses. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I just have bad eyesight. Okay. That's Go why ahead. you're so fuzzy. Um, Okay. <clears throat> well, I'm not wearing my glasses, you though. What? You wear glasses? Yes. I just constantly Delma can't Vinkley? find them. <laughs> Delma Vinkley sounds like something they'd sing in the middle of Bohemian Rhapsody. Delma Vinkley. Delma Vinkley. Delma Vinkley. Delma Vinkley. Anyway, uh, so the Lion King. I just made a whole thing about it in my head. So the Lion King is not a live action remake. No, and I, but they insist. But they insist on calling it that. on calling on not calling it animation. John Favreau in a lot of the promos was very much like, 
about talking about how it's different than regular animation, and I understand why, because he, excuse me, the way he directed the film was on this virtual set, and 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 it's different than the traditional animation process, and I understand that. But as a, an animator, as a as a person who creates beautiful moving works of art, um, no, I, as someone who who creates hand drawn animation and very much loves hand drawn animation, it's very sad to me to you know, watch this medium that is a beautiful craft that is sort of losing its, its uh, not only its foot place, I- foot place? its <laughs> foothold in, in uh, the culture, not only watching it lose that, but to watch um, it be replaced by things that are, are so much less expressive. You know, I mean, the people who made The Lion King should be very proud because technically what they achieved was incredible. Everyone who worked on that movie did good work. And they created a lot of new pieces of technology, a lot of new interesting pieces of technology, and the way it's made shows a lot of promise. And I think that John Favreau, I think that his entire crew, I think that the actors, everyone involved in it should be really proud. But I think that at a conceptual level, I just don't jive with the fact that they took what is often considered the Disney Studios masterpiece, what is often considered the one movie that kind of, you know, for them, like, breaks through the mold of of what, quote-unquote, kiddie animation is. They took that movie and turned it into something that totally uh, fails in the sense of what animation can do. So animation, a lot of times we accept animated musicals a lot easier because the characters are animated. There's a little bit less of a disconnect than there is in real life. But seeing a real-looking lion start singing is like a totally jarring. It's a I surreal image. I would argue image. not only is it jarring, it's boring. It seems like something you would have in like a YouTube video for like a two-minute clip. You're like, ah, that's cool. And then immediately that wears off and you're like, I'm just kind of bored. You know, I, I it really bothers me that everyone considers it and calls it a live action remake because the actual live action remake, honestly, in my opinion, would be just as boring because you'd just be watching a bunch of animals walk around and not be able to do anything but walk around except this isn't live action. We just decided, let's see if we can make something fake look as real as possible without using the real thing. But we're going to be amazed that it looks enough like the real thing instead of using the real thing. It just doesn't... Why? It just begs the question of why. Well, it's, it's annoying because I, you know, there are, I'm sure the people who made it wanted to be more weird and experimental or something with it. And there's, there's certainly an interesting case to be made about like, everybody already knows this story. So it's a safe bet to spend all this money on this crazy technology to do it. But that's kind of, first of all, an, an insult to all the people who worked on the original version of the movie who like, this is the only Disney movie that's a huge hit. That is not based on a fairy tale in any way. Like, I guess Wreck-It Ralph was a success. But you can't argue that Wreck-It Ralph had the same cultural impact as The Lion King. The Lion King did a lot more to the culture. Impacted the world in a much bigger way than Wreck-It Ralph did. Or or other Disney movies that are original stories. And so I, I banged a soda I can. wish I knew more about Wreck-It Ralph 2. Oh, yeah. For me to make the argument that it did have bigger <laughs> cultural impact just for fun, but I, I um, still haven't gotten to see it. Ralph Breaks the Internet sort of makes the argument that all the other Disney movies made a bigger impact on the culture. And that's it, it's sort of about how uh, Vanellope is different than the other Disney princesses. A yo. challenge. A, ch- a challenge? <laughs> a challenge to make that argument. At any I'm rate, sorry. The Lion King. 
Uh, the Go the on. scene when we left the theater, I started rambling to you about this, but a, a scene that to me perfectly illustrates the difference between the two movies. And not again, this doesn't have to be a bad thing, but for me, I didn't quite like it. When you watch the original Lion King, there's this scene that is repeated verbatim in the remake, where Simba echoes his words to Scar. Uh, Scar origi- earlier in the movie says, you know, the leave Simba, run away and never return. That part, right? As a lousy Jeremy Irons. But then, and then at the end of the movie, big Matthew Broderick lion Simba goes, run away, Scar, never return. And then Scar goes, yes, of course, your majesty. And then he flips a, a bit of burning wood, a bit yes. of burning embers into Simba's eyes. Simba roars. And then they begin this big climactic battle. And that climactic battle is beautifully scored by Hans Zimmer, who... His music is repeated exactly in the remake. Um, So this moment in animation plays beautifully because what happens is you get that really powerful echo of this cruel thing Scar said to Simba and he sang it back to him and it's, it's... Matthew Broderick is delivering it express, uh, expressively. Jeremy Irons does the Your Majesty, that kind of turn. He does that verbally very well. But the animation is really what carries it. And Scar, uh, his supervising animator was Andreas Deja, who is a really talented Disney animator, did some of the best Disney characters of the Disney Renaissance, people like Jafar, Gaston, which is an achievement in animation, Gaston. He's such, uh, Gaston, he's such an odd and cool character. He did Hercules in Hercules, which is, you know, Interesting to see him turn around and do a hero after doing yeah. half of the villains. Um, he worked on Lilo and Stitch. Incredibly talented guy. Uh, the way he animates Scar in that scene has so much to do with Scar's character and so much with Andres Deja himself. And a lot of people have looked at the Disney Renaissance and sort of seen that a lot of the characters are are uh, a bit theatrical. And Andres Deja has, has linked that to being the first openly gay Disney animator feeling a lot more willing to put these big sort of theatrical expressions into his character, same way that uh, Howard Ashman, who uh, was also openly gay, felt more comfortable expressing more theatrical things in his lyrics and his songwriting. All this stuff is is connected. But anyway, the way that Scar is animated in that scene is perfectly in his character and it's this slinking cat-like motion turning down and then it's the anticipation of of winding up his paw about to swat he swats it in Simba's eyes in this quick motion it's probably just a few frames of animation and then it hits Simba's eyes and it's into the big dramatic fight it is a perfect move as far as animation goes demonstrating the principles of animation maintaining the form of Scar as a drawing but managing to build the anticipation and then continue with the follow-through just in terms of motion on a technical level it's a brilliant moment and then in the remake of the lion king what happens is two lions that look almost completely identical say some words that you care about because you heard them in another movie that you already liked and then one of the lions turns at 90 degrees and bats something two inches because a real lion can't move its paw as much as a cartoon can and it would look weird if its arms started bending like a like a straw so uh it just kind of goes boop and then it whaps it into Simba's eyes and then back into the dramatic fight there is not nearly as much impact there is no character in the motion and that's not the animator's fault because you can see the moments where the animators try to inject character like in Hakuna Matata Simba starts kind of dancing as he's walking but it looks completely unnatural because uh the concept is to make the animals look totally real and totally real animals don't dance so on a conceptual level why are we trying to tell this larger than life Shakespearean dramatic story with completely realistic looking lions when we could have either just done it with people like the Broadway version we could have incorporated the music and the more representational art of the Broadway version or we could have just put the cartoon in theaters again for a week 
I don't understand the purpose of it other than making money. All right. Because it just totally neuters, uh, well, spays, they're cats, but it just totally neuters mm-hmm. the the performance and the all these great motions and these wonderful animation aspects of the original. The performance of it is so much less. There is so much less clarity through motion, and that's what animation is. It's exaggeration for the sake of clarity. You understand the motion. You, under- you understand the emotion <coughs> because it's a little bit bigger than real life. And this form of animation, this photorealistic animation, is great for special effects, but on its own for telling a story, the problem is they are still telling the same story. If John yeah. Favreau, and he could because he's an incredibly creative and talented guy, we if love he, John. if they let him, if Disney let him cook up an original story with animals, he would have designed it around photorealistic animals. But instead, and there are moments in the movie that play on like the grossness of nature and how the circle of life is kind of one-sided and everything, and those play a lot better. Do you know why those play better? Because they're new? No, because nobody's talking. Because those are just the moments where we're seeing just the nature. Because I would argue, again, this essentially only works if you're making a nature documentary and you can't (laughs) get animals. Like, and I I think that's a credit to your point, is that it's just, it's boring. It doesn't work. Because animals, real animals don't sing. Real animals don't dance. Real animals don't talk. Real animals don't do any of this. And yes, real animals look really similar so for me, who doesn't ha- like Lion King, is not my favorite of the Disney movies. I mm. don't know it like the back of my hand. But also, um, I am not the most observant of people. So if you did have very slight differences between the lions, I couldn't see it, and I was very yeah. confused the whole movie. Who was who? Sim- Simba's mom. Simba's and mom Nala. and Nala are identical. Yeah. And yes, I will admit, in the cartoon, they at a quick glance, do look quite similar, but they have slightly different eyes, I would say. Eyebrows, for lack well, of a better term. Well, they give Nala very distinctive eyes yeah. at the point. And, uh, from but Sarabi. you don't see that in this movie at all. And in the fight, it was very confusing. I know that Simba wins that fight, but during the fight, I couldn't have told you who was Simba and who was Scar. And I could in the cartoon because they were two different colors entirely, and they didn't look like they could have even kind of been the same lion. Um, and that really bothered me. And the musical numbers all fall flat because animals can't sing and dance, as you pointed out. Yeah. They can't. They aren't doing the fantastic tricks that you see. Yeah. And when you look at the beauty of the original Lion King, the sort of they they incorporate these kind of caricatured African textures into the these like non literal moments of song. Mm-hmm. So like when you're looking at Be Prepared, which is probably the most stark oh, difference between I the two versions. Even. Be Prepared, I believe, was originally going to be cut, and then they reincorporated it mostly as a spoken word thing, which is, um, you know. Which is arguably becomes one of the more boring parts of the film, yeah. which is sad, because is... I know a lot of people really like that song. I personally always found Be Prepared to be boring as a child, but as an adult, I do consider it a jam. Well, the Disney villains, there's a theory that goes that part of the reason we we grab onto Disney villains so much and we like them so much and we throw parades themed around villains. The reason we like them is because they always have to convey the boring part of the movie to children. Mm-hmm. And so they've always been made to be more fun and interesting than our, our heroes are because when you're watching the hero, it's the fun part of the movie. Aladdin and Jasmine, 
maybe don't have the strongest personalities in the world because the parts they're doing are flying around on a magic carpet and having fun. That is fascinating. Yeah, and then Jafar and Iago are funny and weird and 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 uh, a little bit camp because they are conveying the part of the movie that's let's do an intricate plot and we need to steal this ring so we can look into the magic ball and see which boy will get us into the cave so we can get the lamp so I can have power. It's a little boring for a child to understand. Mm. So Iago's a crazy bird and and Jafar is is a kooky. Uh, a villain like mm. Ursula is so big and fun because she is duplicitous and has to say stuff that is less interesting to a child than look at me I live under the sea with my friends or I want to marry this boy like it's less That's interesting true. at a glance and they have to do the plot heavy lifting so they are more fun to compensate and that's something that is again to a child the new version to be prepared is totally boring. There's no bright it's colors. So there's no goose-stepping hyenas. And that's another thing, is that you lose those moments of exaggeration for the sake of clarity. We need to make sure our villains look evil. They're going to march like Nazis, and we're going to have Scar standing on a pedestal like Mussolini, and it'll be green and glowing, and there's gas coming out of the floor, and there's skulls. And yet it's so interesting and vibrant, you know? Mm-hmm. Or look at, I just can't wait to be king. You can't choreograph a lion. It doesn't look good dancing. So in the remake, they run for for the full three minutes long. Meanwhile, you know, John Oliver is doing a good job as Zazu. John John... Oliver was born to play him. That is a fact. And uh, John Favreau, as the director, is making that running interesting. He's finding interesting angles and is doing a good job directing it. But again, the problem is that conceptually they have locked him into you have to remake The Lion King, you have to keep all the songs that we like, and when he tried to cut one, they made him stick it back in. So he's not being allowed quite the creative freedom. Now, granted, don't don't feel too bad for him. He's an incredibly successful filmmaker, and I'm sure he made the movie the way he wanted to make it. But like, look at his Jungle Book remake, which is far more interesting. Well, I feel they were less protective of that because nobody really remembers that much of it. He could make up more weird stuff and have King Louis be a mob boss giant ape Instead of being a, a, but a jazz singer. I understand remaking the Jungle Book because mm-hmm. the Jungle Book has human beings <laughs> interacting with these animals. Got so one. the only way you can really, I would say, convey that in, you know, to you, a modern audience. To a modern audience. If you're making a live action movie, you probably are going to use CGI animals. Well, this is something that maybe, Molly, we should backtrack for a little bit from me screaming into the mic. And just mm-hmm. look at sort of the history of what we think of as these Disney live action remakes. Because it it starts in an unexpected place. And for a good reason that you just pointed out, one of the first live action remakes, they did two different live action remakes of The Jungle Book in the 90s that um, people do not recall so much. But okay. they, did, they did two different uh, live action remakes of the, of the Jungle Book at different times. And... Um, and I think that they started with that for the same reason that, you know, the first Disney movies on VHS were were not, they're not the Disney vault movies. Right. They went for sort of more odd ones that are, like Alice in Wonderland is always mm-hmm. available because it wasn't in the vault. And when they released Pinocchio, it was a big deal. Right. So I think that's been their strategy. It started as their strategy with remakes. Mm-hmm. You think about 101 Dalmatians. Well, everybody loves well, it, but no, it's not But, but you know, this, this follows, the, in that theory... That follows your theory, which I will share, even though it's your theory, oh, with, okay, the, with the viewers, uh, the audience, the listeners, whatever you want to call them. Um, so Danny's theory is, why do we remake 
good movies? Shouldn't we remake movies that did badly and make them better? But that have good ideas. But that have good ideas, yeah. but just maybe weren't made at the right time or weren't made the best that they could be. Sure. Or we instead remake these really popular, great movies, and then the remake is never as good. So remakes get a really bad rap. But mm-hmm. so if you're saying this was maybe not one of their more popular films, yeah. they're making a new version to try to make money off of their story. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, and that's... <sighs> Again, as a person who loves 2D animation, it is very clear that the current crop of remakes, mm-hmm. it, it, it is really sad from a, I mean, from a corporate point of view, it all makes sense. You can basically print a billion dollars at the box yeah. office plus, you know, billions more once it hits home video and goes to streaming and, and all that stuff and merchandising on the new version. But here's the thing. They're not investing in the future properly, I feel, Disney as a company. They're not oh, investing no. in the future properly because when you look at what they're remaking it is things that touch your heart and touch my heart and touch millions of people all over the world things that deeply impacted us as youths and what do they all have in common they are these charming hand-drawn animation classics they are good they're good stories they're good movies you look at disney now they're doing a lot of sequels they're doing a lot of remakes they're doing a lot of franchise adaptations like marvel they're doing star wars things like that look at how they're investing in the future they made frozen which is which is a good movie, but they made it what six years ago, seven years now. Long time. Long time. Long time. <laughs> uh, Star Wars. Uh, they did they did Wreck It Ralph, and they've done sequels to both of those. They've done Zootopia. Tangled Zootopia. Tangled Love Zootopia. Of my life. Yes, sure. They've done things that are classics, but think about the spread apart. Oh, it's so 91, rare. 91, 90 is Rescuers Down Under, which is a sequel, but then you hit ninety one. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Two years before that, in in 1989, you had The Little Mermaid. Uh, right before that, you had Roger Rabbit. You had uh, then Aladdin. In 92, you had The Lion King. You had Mulan. You had you had a spread of of classics, and now they're remaking them because they they've ingrained themselves in your heart, right? Just as they had the money to make those classics because the Disney uh, original movies ingrained themselves in your heart back in the the 30s and the 50s, and I just feel that. Look look towards our future. Yes, Moana's a classic. Moana will stand shoulder to shoulder with the other Disney movies, I feel. And I feel that Tangled will as well. And I feel that Frozen yeah. will as well. But look at the spread. Look at how far apart those movies are. Well, look at how neglected Princess and the Frog is. Alice in Wonderland flopped at the box office. They still built two Disneyland rides dedicated to it. Well, so that's another one, though, which we don't consider, but where did happen. The live-action remakes of Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Alice in Wonderland and then the se- sequel, or is that a prequel? The sequel. Sequel. Um... Looking glass, through which the looking glass. is a whole other thing, and I honestly don't remember those super super well. Um, I did. You just asked if they were. A I prequel. see. No, I saw the first one. I don't think I got to see the second one. Um, but those, I can see the reason of doing that because yeah. that is cool to make real because that is a story that seems so fantasy. Yeah, you yourself couldn't conceptualize that in reality. I don't think. Well, it does also still have human characters, and it has human characters in it and human pieces yeah and you can make it colorful and you can make it bright and i think that's part of why the jungle book i have not seen the whole film but i've seen a lot of the film (laughs) i saw Um, the whole film i think that's why that works in comparison to the lion king because it wasn't marketed as this it was marketed as being scary yeah well it wasn't marketed as being an amazing realistic depiction Mm, yeah it wasn't praised because they made the animals look just like real animals Mm -hmm. it was you know, I mean, I don't feel like it was praised enough from what I've seen of it, but it it was, the animals still got to act like cartoons. 
To a degree. To yeah. a degree. I mean, yeah. still, like, you know, you and you see the humans interact with the cartoons. There's something there that is not just I'm watching a nature documentary. I'm on the safari in Disney World. Like, it isn't that. Yeah. And I think that, honestly, if I'm being real, The Lion King is a little bit like riding the safari. Like, in reality, animals sleep. In reality, sometimes <laughs> animals are just sitting there. Like, they're not doing a whole sometimes lot. Sometimes your whole car has to watch a giraffe piss. And you're like, I am sometimes... on a chorus trip right now. The band does not want to... Can we please move Simba 1 a little <laughs> faster? No, you all have to follow the same track? Okay, never mind. And sometimes you do get a rhino almost running into your car. Yeah, it's And other exciting. times you got some ostriches in the middle of the thing that won't move. So you're stuck on the safari for three hours. Sometimes you it sit in the back happens. and it's really bumpy and you're like, am I going to fly out of this? And you're like, no, that, that could never happen. Sometimes it's just really hot and the animals and you are miserable. Like, And that's what that movie was for me. <laughs> and on top of that... I'm You're sorry, a lot like I oh I am I'm a lot harsher than Danny. Danny's being pretty diplomatic about this mm-hmm. right now, I think. But I have I have a lot of problems with the movie, particularly the fact that they're gonna reference the other, in my opinion, better movie. <laughs> they're gonna make the joke. Some people will argue that they make these movies just because of nostalgia and we're super as a society focused on nostalgia and i'm gonna argue they're right because you can market nostalgia nostalgia in a box and it just would say nostalgia on it and everyone would buy it because it's true all we want right now is all our favorite shows coming back all these things box, all right the it'll work wait, 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 shoe box? nostalgia cereal i was picturing like a package oh that's kind of christmas sad. present a little bow we used to be on the same page nostalgia oh christmas past um <laughs> not a christmas present a christmas oh! Get it? um oh, nostalgia shit. joke anyway no so you could package nostalgia and people will buy it and i think that that's true but the other argument they'll make is this is lion king for the new generation for the parents who saw the lion king in the theater when they were children to show to their kids why am i doing a michael jackson I voice that yeah, that was... i don't know um Ugh. No, but so they the, the that's the concept is like now I get to show you this movie I liked as a kid, which kids never like the movie their parents are showing them as much as their parents did. Oh, yeah. But still, then you're gonna put jokes in it for people who have only seen the original movie. And I I have mixed feelings about that because it's it's silly to pretend that we live in a world where we're not all saturated with this stuff. I mean, you know, Spider Man into the Spider Verse I I think is really cool how it deals with you already kind of know who spider-man is and if you're watching this movie you just you know what a spider-man is you get it which is fair because even little kids know the story by now i think that you know the next batman movie that comes out if it starts with batman's parents being shot we will all kind of roll our eyes and go we all know this it's got to start with that we don't know which version of it batman's is... parents being shot they're going based there, off boy of. there are a lot of different like they people put so many Molly, one day we'll do an episode where I give you a complete timeline of what canonically happens the night Batman's parents get shot because every writer who wants a little bit of drama will add one extra thing. I'd be happy to know. So, you know, oh, Batman was reading Alice in Wonderland with his mom right before he got shot, and that's why he hates the Mad Hatter. No, Batman, it was actually it was actually <laughs> Christmas Eve, and, and Batman didn't get the toy he wanted, and so he was putting up a hissy fit, and so then years later, Alfred gave him the, the Zorro action figure he always wanted, but really, Bruce, he, he's, he destroyed the Nutcracker that his parents gave him because he was a bratty boy, and, and no, actually, what happened the night Batman's parents got shot was that he was listening to rock and roll music, and his dad said, we don't like rock oh and roll God. in this house, and he, that one's real. We'll, that's from Batman it'll Fortune. It'll be a good episode. That's a, there, we'll, I'll to try it. to map out a timeline of everything that happened the the night they got shot at any rate molly Mm -hmm. um i i i agree that nostalgia is a huge part of this Mm -hmm. um but 
the think about why you're nostalgic because those movies are actually good. You're not nostalgic for this thing that kind of sucked. Oh, we get nostalgic. They're for beautiful, artistically rich films, and it's like. It, it it really makes me so sad that they're gone and that the craft that created them is not really taught anymore. And so it's this dying art form, hand-drawn animation. And it just, it makes me so sad to think about like, yeah, I mean, a kid today, maybe their parents have like Blu-rays or, or Disney Plus or whatever, and they're watching old Disney movies. I, we, Molly, we know like two kids and I feel like those two kids have yeah, seen a fair yeah, number. Seen them. But what is what is for them? What is their Disney movie? Well, that's what's going to be sad to Frozen? me, I think. Probably Frozen. But what what's sad to me is, like, this is what kids will think of t- from today. That's what they'll think of as the Lion King. Yeah. That's what they'll think of as Beauty and the Beast. Like, they'll think of these things, and, and that bothers me because it's just, they're not good. Yeah. And and I mean that wholeheartedly. No, no um, I, I think they're that... Not, all right, no, elements. I think The Lion King was bad. I'll say it. I do think it was bad. I think it was weird. It was a stupid choice. It's the little trippy that they have um, Beyonce singing that song. Spirit. Yeah. It, it doesn't work. It's It doesn't work. Beyonce is great and has a great voice, but that just didn't make sense. I think it's weird that you'd add that song, as many people have pointed yeah. out, and not include any of the songs from the musical that already exist, and those are jams. Let's make this a separate point real quick. Go ahead. Molly, the Disney Broadway musicals, so good, so so much love and, and critical fondness for them, and yet here we have, what, what do we have? We have uh, four of them they've remade into movies now, because Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, Aladdin. Uh, Aladdin was a Broadway show. What else? Was there Little was, Mermaid. Was there Mer- oh, they're making that. They're making one. Little Mermaid. I doubt they will incorporate Mary anything. Poppins, but they just made the sequel. They of that. Made a but sequel. I don't like the Mary Poppins musical. I'll say we saw it. that for your birthday. Yeah, and I, I was didn't really you, disappointed. I'm, I'm sorry. Did you enjoy when we went to that serendipity place and got those big ice creams after? I did not because I was really disappointed in the play and I felt bad that we spent so much money on it and that yeah. that was how I was spending my birthday. Boy, well, boy, oh, your birthdays are the same as mine then, racked with anxiety and, and Oh, my birthdays are racked with a lot of things, but no, that one was a particularly disappointing That one was particularly racked Because I love Mary Poppins, and yeah. I didn't like that they changed it at I all. Enjoyed, I enjoyed the stage show when we well, saw Everyone it. else but me did. Oh, so then... I don't like change, and that's why I don't like these <laughs> movies, because don't take a classic I love and change it. Oh, oh, so here, maybe this podcast is a little bit more about our respective mental illnesses yeah, no, than we've no. been making it out to be. Because we've hit a breakthrough here, Molly. You don't object to the quality of the filmmaking. What do you object to, Molly? The concept of change. No, I object to the quality of the filmmaking as well. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, I just also don't like change. So that brings me to... Um, no, but talking about that, the songs things bothers me. I don't know why we're going to add a new song that we don't even see our characters singing. You know why we don't see our characters singing it? Because the animals don't sing and it doesn't make Wouldn't sense. Wouldn't it be hilarious, though, if they did like an 80s music video, like where the head fades in in the corner, but it's just the very realistic lion going, spirit. It'd be nice. Oh, what would be funnier if, it's, if it was just human Beyonce. Like just human Beyonce <laughs> sort of 80s music video. That just, would be better. Spirit, with her hair blowing like she's got the no, wind No, that machine. would be better. I think she was pregnant when she recorded I that I think movie. the biggest disappointment in the movie, personally, is that by making it in this medium, Timon and Pumbaa are not funny. I'll Tim- say it. Timon and Pumbaa are scary looking? They are scary looking because Billy Eichner's funny. they're scary animals to begin with. He does a good riff. There's a good riff, but Danny, 
half of the funny thing about them is the wild voice, which, yeah, they can do. But it's the facial expressions. The wild The, voice? like, crazy voice when they're screaming. The Timon and Pumbaa will do when they're, like, freaked out I, and oh, screaming. Okay. You said that, like, it didn't require explanation, but it clearly did. Oh, I'm sorry. Their fun voices, I think, make the movie. Um, But I, I, I think... You know, Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner, like, they've got a voice down. That's fine. But I don't think you get any expression that's hysterical. Like, Timon and Pumbaa screaming, I can so clearly picture in the cartoon what that looks like. I could not even tell you what a single scene with them looked like in that movie. Uh, That's fair. And And to take out the best damn joke in any movie. Oh, if you want a hunk of fat and juicy meat. Oh, that part. Yeah, yeah. What, do you, you want, want me, me to dress, dress and drag, drag and, and do, do the, the hula? Luau! You're going to take that out to reference your other live-action <laughs> remake of a film. Now, I personally, again, I respect everyone who worked on these movies. They do so much good work. You did good work. You did good work. Everyone... I'm going to give a shout-out to Donald Glover. You did great. I will say. We're two you people from great. Long Island, and we think you did great. We're you not did actually great. from Long Island. You did great. We did great. Great, you did great, Donald. Donald Glover. I love you, Donald. You did great, Monsieur Glover. It is me, a French person. We're just doing accents, right, to compliment Donald Glover. Donald, I gotta tell you something. I wish the movie was only you. That'd be kind of interesting. A one man. If you did all the voices, you did all the voices yourself. All the voices, all the parts. Because then I'd be interested. There'd be something to look forward to. Is this? Donald Glover or John Oliver, I do not know. Donald Glover. Donald Glover, as we call him. <laughs> Once he went in that teleportation machine like the fly, and he was just two guys mushed into one. Anyway, Molly. Anyway. I think we should uh, – you are an interesting person. I am. You're a delight. Thank you. Because you sort of hold these interesting opinions about movies where y- you seem to have – an interesting calibration for taste. You are incredibly fond of a certain live action remake that, in my opinion, commits many of the sins that we have discussed now. I do also enjoy this film, but I, I enjoy it maybe in a different way, which is not to say I, I dislike it in any way. I'm not being snooty. I truly enjoy the film. Uh, you seem to enjoy the live action remake of The Grinch, which loses a lot of the expression of the original animation adds a lot of unnecessary stuff to the story, does not incorporate anything from the Broadway version of The Grinch, which is real, and starred Patrick Page, um, uh, which uh, I think came after yeah, the movie. But yeah, no, 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 no. It's very, no, Every, but it's interesting. Everything you're saying is a lie. The Grinch looks scary. Okay, I didn't, I didn't talk about the, you the brought The sun up, is bright and the powder's bitching. You brought up the scariness of Timon and Pumbaa. I simply agreed. no. Let me let me let me explain the difference and why I not like. Yes, I'm not arguing. Love I want to hear. Oh, Jim Carrey in the How the Grinch Stole Christmas. You loathe the entirely. Here's the difference, and I can see why people wouldn't like this as well. Just it's my opinion that in that case I like it. They took a very short story, and they made they added a lot to it. They rounded it out. They gave us a backstory. They gave us. Um, you know, a B plot kind of like we got a lot of extra things added into that movie. It wasn't a shot for shot remake of the cartoon because that would be stupid to make a half hour live action special of that. I think you don't lose the expression of the original animation. I, I don't think so. I think you gain a lot because 
I feel that that's only rounded out in a 3D way. I think that they do a great job, particularly like that Grinch's smile. They make sure you get that in Jim Carrey. You get the detail in the who's and each who and how they're slightly different, but they have the who elements to them. I think there's a lot there. You get the detail of not only what the buildings on the outside look like, but the inside. And I think they go out of their way, in my opinion, to do all of that. I think that they add... Can you hear me breathing? (laughs) Breathing when you're saying all these things in front of my face. It's great, but they add something. It's not like we're going to be lazy and make the exact same movie again. We're adding so much more, and I think it's... I think it's more expressive. Molly, have you ever heard the phrase, bigger is necessarily better? I think it's better. I enjoy it. It makes me laugh. They changed it into a comedy, whereas The Grinch is just a story. Listen, I personally... Comedy gold. Let me tell you you something, Molly. I personally very much enjoy the movie The Grinch with Jim Carrey. Um, I'm going to put a disclaimer Uh, Dr. Seuss is how The Grinch still I would like to share that as a child, Danny hated the movie and shamed me... Almost every day. No, because you during would the watch. Christmas no, because you would watch this movie it. and you wouldn't let me watch the original Grinch. No, it wasn't. I wouldn't let you. When, I we, just when did we watch, watch the original this. Grinch? You would not. You would not watch it with me. I watched it plenty, Danny. No, I don't believe you. You Point just is, got mad every time I wanted to watch ugh, the live action Grinch. Let's not talk about this. Anyway, I just Molly, wanted front, the public. Not to in know. front of the kids. Anyway, How I just. <laughs> How dare you bring that up, Molly? I'll. Moving past Go it. Go on. Dr. Saperstein said not to do this in front of the others. Okay. <clears throat> what do you mean? Why Go do you on. do that every time I pull a name out of my hat, Molly? Go. I have the hat Put right the hat here. On the it's ground. full of names. Each one on a little fortune cookie. Talk about how you don't like the Grinch. Very well, Molly. I feel that the Jim Carrey live action remake of The Grinch uh, is uh, in many ways, <laughs> she's doing the mocking, like talking hand motion. But not for you, it just was... to hurt me. Just to hurt exactly. me while I talk. You. You to to throw me to off my game? It's a very unfocused episode of our Unfocused podcast. Go on. Oh, should we change the name of the podcast to Unfocused with Danny and Molly? Because you know what you're doing? You're making it hard for me to focus. <laughs> Hi, I'm J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, no. Oh, what I wouldn't give for an all J. Jonah Jameson movie. Somebody oh, call J.K. Molly. J. Jonah Jameson version of The Lion King. And the posters just say J.K. is... JJJ, because it's J.K. Simmons. Okay. All right, go ahead. <clears throat> no, so I just feel that the Grinch, I don't know. When you look at the original book, I find it so charming. I love the original Chuck Jones special. They're just, like, important to me, and I, I like them a lot. I don't know why. I just, I, they're good works of art, and they're uh, important to me. I just, I like them. Uh, what an unintelligent argument that was. No, and, and so then the Jim Carrey version, you look at it, and first of all, it is kind of fundamentally more mean-spirited than the original. Yeah. All the who's... <laughs> All the Who's are like, what's Christmas without presents? And it takes like a speech to convince them that it's uh, a bad, that it's not bad. It takes a speech to convince them all to not be angry. A speech from Cindy Lou Who and her dad. Um, whereas in the original, it's just a story about like, no, people are nice. Like people don't actually need that. Like people already understand. And I like that more optimistic message. Uh, I do think you lose a lot of Chuck Jones' uh, expressiveness from his animated version. At least I don't think you're losing too much from the Doctor Seuss book because the Doctor Seuss book is a, a series of still images, <laughs> and uh, therefore inherently does not move as much. But I think Chuck Jones's animation on that original special is is masterful and is kind of 
as far as uh, TV budget animation goes in the 60s, I, it's a master class in how to just milk as much as you can out of uh, sort of still expressions that are just beautifully drawn yeah, and I'd limited animation. I'd say they animation. handle that challenge very nicely, but I, I think... didn't feel that that... See, unlike The Lion King, I don't think that that was necessary for the story. Mm-hmm. You could still tell the story without that yeah, animation. That's very Whereas fair. you cannot tell The Lion King in an interesting fashion without... That animation. That's a great point. I didn't think about that. That's very true. Thank you. Is that the Grinch is a plot that can easily be conveyed through, say, a series of still drawings at a children's picture book. Through, let's say, a series of chopsticks that <laughs> I put on the table while I explain you the could plot pro- to you. You could probably no, explain the could. Grinch with chopsticks. and that's the difference. And does, that's where the line We call it a chopstick work. plot in the biz. <laughs> in the biz. Give me your elevator pitch <laughs> of your chopstick plot. <laughs> I got lunch in town. Yeah, like someone's at a restaurant. They got the chopsticks. They're like, all right, like here, let, let's play that. They go over right the here. piano and they. Yeah, it's um, great. You got it. Hi, it's me, Tom Hanks in the movie Big. Now we have differing opinions. As oh no, well. he does heart and soul. Shit! I thought he played chopsticks. <laughs> Sorry. It was heart and soul. They can't hear you over there. It was heart and soul. Actually, you're loud. They probably can. Heart um, and Danny, Danny. <laughs> so another movie that Danny and I have differing opinions on, and I will admit my opinion might have shifted. I didn't finish shifted. on the Grinch. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me finish up real quick. Um, you, no child can beat the Grinch. That's number one with a bull. No, I do enjoy it very much as a comedy. I think it's a lot of fun. I enjoy watching it, and I have no bones about what makes me laugh makes me laugh, and I have no uh, intellectual point to defeat that, and I don't think I should. But I, I really enjoy watching the movie. I think it's a lot of fun. I just am kind of sad that I think that is now the cultural legacy of the Grinch is probably more the Jim Carrey version mm-hmm. whereas there is a, a, a beautiful Chuck Jones special and a really cute kids book well I wonder if the legacy now will instead be the Illumination Grinch it's not because people I don't think really saw that I, I mean no that's actually, actually not true it was a huge hit saw it, really what am I talking it. about I watched it on Netflix it was uh, it was pretty good I saw the shorts that came with it on the DVD bonus features and I really enjoyed them <laughs> I got there after they finished okay, the movie. Yeah, no, I enjoyed um, the the new Grinch. It was, uh, it was. I would put it on the not on the level of Jim Carrey as far as comedy, but as far as adapting the book. It's they're both in the same league of just plot, adding new stuff, mm-hmm. needlessly explaining things. Because um, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. That whole thing. Mm-hmm. They just tell you the reason in the Jim Carrey version. So why still include that? Because it's famous. So they just left it in. Because you remember that part about the. Mm-hmm. We don't quite know the reason. We just are left to infer. What are you talking about? The Who's don't know his backstory. We are given an explicit reason. We are given a reason. The Who's who judge him are not. As a screenwriter, I definitely would have probably made the same choice because how else do you pad out that story? But It's quite obvious to the rest As of us. As a screenwriter, um, I would use a chopstick plot in my elevator pitch. I have lunch in 15 minutes. No. All right, so you go with the Grinch? That's my new character. Elevator plot chopstick boy. Because nope, we've only yes. touched the non-live action, live action remake of the Disney film so far. Oh, that's true. We didn't really get to yeah. the main. So that's meat where I'm, on I'm this gonna bone. go. I'm gonna go to one that we have differing opinions on, mm-hmm. um, and that is going to be Beauty and the Beast. So when I saw, Jerry! get George out of here. I'm sorry, Molly. Uh, Jason Alexander, please go. No, Jerry, I'm mad. Jerry, they won't talk to me. All right, so Beauty and the Beast. That's hacky. Should I, I cut that out? No. It feels a little hack to do impressions. Danny, you've been doing it. We're in a, a post-comedy age. We're not allowed to do shtick. 
I wish you could all see Danny's face. I'm doing a Lucio Ball face Um, to talk about shtick. So Beauty and the Beast, I see. So for me, I love Beauty and the Beast. I think it's one of the best Disney films ever, if not the best. Oh, do you? The original Beauty and the Beast, not this one. Yeah, I know. Every time I talk about Beauty and the Beast, you like put up some fucking fight when I tell you it's my favorite. I'm just surprised it's your favorite. I, I know I we didn't watch it a lot as younger people. It. I like it a lot. I'm just surprised. Beauty and the Beast holds a very special place in my heart because I was in the musical at my school. People On are Broadway gonna totally deduce where I live between that and the fact that I mentioned the lice removal place. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> a high yeah. hmm, a middle school put on Beauty and the Beast? Better find it. I'm gonna kill you. Um, yeah. I'm gonna kill you. Tweet me how I, I should kill you. Daddy this week. Fucking kill me. <laughs> Come on. All right. Um, mother. Yeah, Chinese throwing star on your neck. Hey, we're in America. American throwing. We star call them freedom throwing stars. Ever since <laughs> anyway, they didn't back us on Beauty torture. Beauty and the Beast holds a very special place in my heart, and um, I love that I know all the words. Pretty much the whole shebang. I really enjoyed the Beauty and the Beast. Do you know impingement? That's a funny word. You don't know that word. <laughs> Derailing. Um, no, I know. Um, I really, I liked the live action remake just because, again, I think that it's one that works as a live action movie as there are a lot of people in that film. And I like seeing the cartoon objects portrayed in a realistic way because I think it's cool to see that. I like seeing the realistic design because if I was to walk into a castle... I would see realistic-looking objects coming alive. Now, do I think it matches the original in any fashion? No, not at all. Now, Danny's mocking me with so <laughs> much more than just a little meh-meh-meh talking hand. I'm doing a large series of cartoonish facial expressions to mockingly agree with Molly. Yeah, no. So I, I enjoy it, a, and I think... You're wrong as a fiddle, you know that? <laughs> But I also only saw the movie in the theater once, and I was pretty hyped at the time, and I was in Disney at the time, so I can't know if my I'm opinion is a little you, biased. Like fucking screaming! Like, I will say Skinner. I hated the Beast song. Now I know because why the hell? Why the hell, Danny? Danny, from you. this is not a musical podcast. It is a talking podcast. Uh, and just groban. Trying to make a point. Just groban. Get Josh Groban out of here. Okay, go home, Josh Groban. No, I know. Is that hacky? Should I cut that out? <laughs> no. Hi, I I'm hate... Dave Coulier. Cut it out. I didn't do the hand motions, but you can't tell because it's a podcast. You done? Should I cancel the podcast? It seems like you're not having fun. <laughs> I just want to make my point. So make it, babe. <laughs> I got a 15-minute elevator pitch about a chopstick plot. I, um, no, I hate the fact that they wrote this new song for the Beast because they have a song for the Beast. They made this whole freaking Beauty and the Beast musical, and they gave the Beast a song, and they're like, nope, we need a new one. And this is the case where I don't like the fact that they add extra things into the plot because we didn't need them because the Beauty and the Beast had a plot. Whereas the Grinch was a short story yeah. with no other plot like to yeah. it. Like this had a plot and I didn't need You didn't care that Belle's mom died and the 
in the plague. No, I'll take that. The whole thing with the beast and the traveling to these other places. Oh, the he... magic book? Well, what the fuck is that? He's got a million other magical fucking items. I don't need that in there. I think it was, it's it's a lot of attempts to improve things about Beauty and the Beast that don't need to be improved, mm. uh, including this notion of, well, he gives her a library. She said she wanted to see the world, and it's like, not really. She wanted adventure in the Great Wide somewhere, and she ends up fighting the, the town uh, creep on a rooftop and watching him fall to his death. That's plenty of adventure. She made a whole new group of friends. She's not isolated in her cottage anymore. She lives in a grand castle. And she gets to educate herself with books. Yeah, with which people is she loves. She, she already loved books. Like books were her escape, but she also could just be allowed to enjoy them on an intellectual level. Like mm-hmm. if you were someone who watched movies and dreamed of being a movie star and then you became a movie star, it doesn't mean you just quit watching movies. Like yeah. you might just still enjoy films. But but in the in the logic of the people criticizing this, they're like, well, Belle doesn't go out and have her big adventure. It's like the movie's the adventure. She goes out into the Great Wide somewhere. She doesn't know what she She's wants. She's going to get a sequel. She just knows that there must be more than this provincial life. And guess what she gets? She gets to live in a castle. She makes an entire new group of friends so she's not alone anymore. All these people seem to understand her better than the people in town do because they have a big library full of books. They're probably all sweet and understanding to her instead of these people who judge her for her interests. And plus, she gets to be like a cool princess just, now. You don't need to change which princess she is. You... Mulan gets to go out and have an adventure that yeah. she wouldn't normally have and then continues to have it after that. Like, that's her gig. It isn't Belle's gig. Right. Belle's gig is the fucking books. That's the whole thing. <laughs> Belle with her nose stuck in a book. Like, yeah. she likes to read because she wants to be valued as a human being, yeah. and that's what the inanimate objects there teach the beast to do. Now, if I may, Molly, Please. I feel that Beauty and the Beast um, needs <clears throat> needs to be animated the way it was. I think that it it was beautifully animated the way it was. Now, I'm not saying you can't do a really good live-action Beauty and the Beast because uh, the Disney movie Beauty and the Beast came long after the successful French film Beauty and the Beast by Jean Cocteau, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a celebrated classic film that a lot of imagery in the Disney movie is kind of pulled from that. Uh, In that movie, the Beast is a lot more cat-like and, you know, it is a live-action French film. I would like to say I hate how the Beast looks in the live-action. The live-action remake? Maybe it's because the cartoon design of the Beast was designed to be a cartoon and not a real guy. I don't think he needs horns. Why do we have to suddenly add He had horns horns in the cartoon. But they're, like, little. They're They're not, like... No, they're little in the cartoon. They look pretty big. Google the Beast in the cartoon. No, I'm talking about in the real... The live action. I thought one. they were bigger than the live action one. That's what I'm saying. Why they need to give us big oh, horns? Oh yes, yes, yes. Like I barely noticed them in the I don't other know. one. I don't look, need these giant. Like you look like a ram. You look like a ram. <laughs> if I may be so bold, Sorry, Linda Wolverton, who wrote the screenplay for Beauty and the Beast. Fun fact: Beauty and the Beast was one of the first Disney movies to have a completed screenplay before they started animating the movie. Doesn't mean they didn't start reworking the plot. Doesn't mean they didn't shuffle things around. Uh, the song "Be Our Guest" was moved in the story and they actually had to get Jerry Orbach in to re-record some of the lines as um as Lumiere uh because they changed some stuff in the story. Every Disney movie goes through big story changes. But Beauty and the Beast had been worked on in England under a different director and and it was not working out well so they brought it back to America. Linda Wolverton wrote the screenplay and then they set to animation uh basically restarting the entire project, bringing in Howard Ashman and Alan Mankin, who had worked on The Little Mermaid and would go on to start working on Aladdin. Um, <clears throat> and and Beauty and the Beast is such a great screenplay, but it's also such a great 
musical. You know, and that's why I think it was the the first Disney movie that when it hit Broadway was like a success. And then Lion yeah. King followed shortly after and Lion King was an even bigger success on Broadway, uh, partly because of Julie Taymor directing it in such an interesting way, partly because of the opening up of the score. Um, <clears throat> but But Beauty and the Beast is a tight screenplay. It's well written. It works. And what the people who made the remake of Beauty and the Beast, it is painfully obvious they did this. And I don't know if they actually did it. And I'm not criticizing the screenwriters because what else are you going to change? You have to change something. Otherwise, your boss will fire you. They probably just went online, found a fucking BuzzFeed article that was like, top 10 things you didn't notice are wrong in Beauty and the Beast. Or like looked up uh, some some schmoes criticisms of Beauty and the Beast or thought they were so clever that they could outthink Linda Wolverton and her precious screenplay. So what these two, these two fucking guys who wrote Beauty and the Beast did, the remake, they said, mm, what does that Linda Wolverton know about feminism? We'll do feminism better than that woman. And so these two guys were like, Beauty and the Beast isn't feminist enough. Okay, we know better than you, actual woman. And they made this patronizing nonsense about teaching a woman to read, even though at the time period when Beauty and the Beast is set, women were allowed to read. Uh, and the reason the town looks down on Belle is not because it was wrong for a woman to read, but because uh, misogynists like Gaston didn't like women to read. Uh, they, they add all this nonsense about Belle is also inventing stuff because she's a tough woman. But like maybe she could be different than her father. Maybe we could have two different characters in a movie. Maybe a character is still interesting and fun, even if they're not building physical things. Maybe Belle was already a cool character and millions of people boys girls and other people loved her already and you didn't have to work on that aspect of the film you could have worked on other things that were flawed but instead they're like no we have to rewrite this character who's already an inspiring symbol to millions of people because like we're two guys and we know better than linda wolverton the arrogance molly they also decided to address the quote-unquote plot holes well wait a minute why don't the people in the town remember that the beast lives in that castle who is their monarch now who gives a flying fuck it is a movie about a wildebeest man who falls falls in love with a book girl. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares, Molly. Beauty and the Beast is one of the three animated films in human history to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, and it unfairly lost, Molly. It lost... I it, it won. No, it it's lost won. Best Picture. It won other Oscars. It won for the music, but it, it lost Best Picture, which it, it was a robbed, crime. Molly. A crime. Anyway, it is one of the few animated films to ever be nominated in that category. And I think that if the big, serious, intellectual film critics don't really care about the logistics of fairy tale land, you don't have to either. And your movie is not better because you invented an odd plot twist where Cogsworth hates his wife and Ian McKellen is like, turn back into a clock. Like, that's not better than what we had already. Poor Ian McKellen keeps getting sucked into these weird live action musicals that are <laughs> creepily realistic. Like, look, Cats is one thing, but Beauty and the Beast with frightening Cogsworth, by the way, what you were saying about seeing the objects as as real things, I have mixed feelings about that because you can do very expressive CG animation and I don't want to belittle CG animation because incredible work is done that way and some of the best animated films uh, are made that way. Obviously, like I said, Moana, Tangled, uh, these, are, these are classic films that will be remembered for generations to come. But look at Lumiere and Cogsworth from the cartoon and how you can, like, identify their faces and know how they feel. And then look at the live-action ones where Mrs. Potts's face is just a drawing of a face on the side of a teapot. No, you're totally right about that. I think the expression thing is there, but I also think that if you were a human being 
turns into an inanimate object, you might not be ultra expressive. And like, I, like I just feel like if you are gonna do it live action, like I like that it looked like that and not that it looked super cartoony. You yeah, know what I mean? Like I think that would have looked. It's almost weird like there was a successful telling of this story. But that's it. Also infuriates me because when you look at things like the Jean Cocteau, Beauty and the Beast from uh, I believe it's from the forties. It, that was designed to be a live-action version of this fairy tale. This is a retelling of the animated version. It's not based on the original fairy tale because uh, you didn't watch the original Beauty and the Beast. You didn't have a storybook of the public domain Beauty and the Beast when you were a child, so you're not fond for that. You're fond for the Disney musical version. So they remade the Disney musical version, and in doing that, they lost half the charm of the Disney musical version. Because you could have easily designed Beauty and the Beast to be good in live action. You could have worked around that. But instead, they are designing the cartoon to be live action. And at the end of the day, that is that is a uh, a task fit for Sisyphus. It is nothing. It is nonsense. It is pushing well, a boulder uphill. It bothers me that it's so close in time to that. Like, I get that it's been longer than I personally think that it's been. Yeah. But, like, it's not like we're talking it's been, like, 67 years or something <laughs> since that like it's really not all that old yeah. and so that kind of bothers me but what what like if we're being real the thing that bothers us the most about all of these i don't think is the execution it's the fact that they're clearly just doing this for money and again that's the problem not investing in the future no because Walt the... disney said keep moving forward and while you're moving forward in technology you are not moving forward in plot no. Now, Walt will steal ideas from anything and do them over again, sure. But he still was always thinking forward and thinking of new ideas, thinking of new things for his theme park, thinking of new movies, different ways to tell stories. He was fascinated with the new technology. Sure. But, you know, but also Walt did have this fascination for nostalgia and the oh, old yeah. things of the childhood. So then I'm like, maybe they are keeping with the ideals. And Here's like, the I, thing. I get torn. But then the man was all about Ooh. animation and the hand-drawn animation. Animation, and That is what Disney was founded on. You're and turning you're into Snagglepuss. get rid of it. I don't... Animation. Stage left. You're trying to be Snagglepuss. I'm just... I'm not trying. I am. Molly, look at my pink furry skin. No, but I, it just bothers me. It it bothers me. That Heavens what to the, Murgatroyd, make a new move. <laughs> like, it's what the company was founded on. We are on. not, like, here's the thing, is that what is being asked of Disney is not crazy. It's pick a public domain fairy tale and just make a movie out of that. Which ones haven't they done? Is there one off the top of your head they haven't done? There's no great Disney version of Humpty Dumpty. I don't want that. Here's what it's about. Here's what it's about. Uh, Paul Giamatti is the voice of an egg. And the egg, he sits on the wall. And he falls. And he cracks into pieces. And then, Molly, the pieces all develop a separate personality, each voiced by Paul Giamatti doing a different accent. But I feel like what we liked about Disney was that it was animated. I'm going to call it uh, Cracked because we're not allowed to. Disney always has to do the one word titles. Yeah. Yeah, so Frozen and Tangled and and Onward and shit. That's good. Cracked. Oh, no. Sounds too much like Cracked. How about we do um, Humpty? No. Dumpty. <laughs> Wall. It's eggs. We call <laughs> it's eggs. Um, Two words. Can't do it. I don't know, Danny. Something rotten. I, I think that we don't go to Disney for their live action movies. We never have. Like, they've always had them. But Disney is known for its animation. And what bothers me, honest to God, though, the most about it all, now that I'm thinking about it, besides the money. Yeah. Is the fucking theme park. 
I've seen Belle as a human being now. I know what she looks like. She looks like Emma Watson, but I'm going to go meet Belle in Disney, and that doesn't look anything like Emma Watson, not anything like how she is dressed in the film or how her face looks. We're matching the characters that you're going to meet off of the cartoon. Because everybody likes the cartoon, really. And they're not going to change it, and we can't all look like Emma Watson. So I just, that bothers me, because you're all about your universe and protecting your image and blah, 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 but you're going to then, it just, it doesn't work. Molly, because the movie doesn't exist to leave a legacy. It exists because someone has a uh, Wikipedia list of the Disney animated movies, and they've been slowly checking them off one by one. Wait till you get Pinocchio next year, Molly. Um, oh, they've done live-action Pinocchios, and I don't like You don't it. love Roberto Benigni's Pinocchio? I can't talk about it. Um, there is a dramatic foreign film version of Pinocchio coming out, live-action. Um, there was... Did you ever see Drew Carey's version? Geppetto? Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking of. Geppetto? Yeah. Yeah, it was a TV movie that is... Stephen Schwartz wrote the songs for that. He also did... Um, oh. Obviously, he worked with Alan Menken on... Um, Hunchback of Notre Dame and Pocahontas. I don't need those things. Like, Molly, just, he wrote Pippin. Don't be mad at oh, him. I just don't want or need them. I want new ideas or I want you to re-release the movie I already liked just exactly as it was again. I don't want the change. They could probably make a lot of money that way if they just did that. Just put it back in theaters or do what you're Some doing and put it on Disney+. Plus. Like That's what I want. <laughs> Don't give me all these years later, Mary Poppins Returns, the sequel to Mary Poppins, Actually, where wait, this wait. woman has a different <laughs> type of British accent than the original Mary Poppins. That's just lazy. If you were making a whole new film that wasn't a sequel, I will defend fine. Mary Poppins Returns. I had a nice time. I enjoyed it. Music was good. Why? Cause Why? Lim- Why Lim- do we need it? Lim- 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 Miranda is charismatic. Uh, they actually bothered to do some hand-drawn animation for it. Okay. The wonderful Duncan Studios did a, a great job with that sequence, replicating mm-hmm. the style of the original with digital work. Really good stuff. Is good it performances. a sequel to um, the other film? Here's my problem. In the original movie, capitalism is the bad guy, and then in Mary Poppins Returns, capitalism turns out, spoiler alert, turns out to be the good guy. Yeah, no, but Danny, is it a sequel? Is it a sequel to Mary Poppins? Yes, it's a sequel. Is it the same sequel in-universe to Mary Poppins? No, it's not the same sequel. No, it is in-universe. They directly reference the first film, do they but not? They all, but they all look different. They look different, but that's beside the point. But it's What's just... more important is they have a different kind of British accent. Well, to be fair, Lin-Manuel Miranda has a different kind of British accent than Bert because it sounds like a real British accent. And oh. I get to go He's a different character. I know. No, I know. He's he's Jack, but Jack is just Bert. But you know what? We could have just had a different fucking Mary Poppins. like, Or make Emily Blunt do the accent that Julie Andrews no, did. No, I don't mind that because I... Emily Blunt had to play it the way she had to play it, and she's a very talented actor, and I she's found great. I found her incredibly charming in that movie. I and say she wasn't charming. In a totally different she way than Julie She just isn't Andrews. Mary Poppins. I thought she was practically perfect in every way. Yeah, and Hello, that, I'm... that's how she does it, and that's not how Mary Poppins does it. I'm sorry. It bothers the hell out because of me. Because uh, Cabaret's not the book show open. It's, it's a fun. great she, song, though. She I love that She does that Cockney song. accent. Yeah, it's a great... Um, is that a Mark Shaman movie with the, the guy who wrote Hairspray? Didn't he do the music for that? You're putting me on the spot here, as though I would know this and you wouldn't. I'm sorry. I meant to ask my phone. <laughs> A Google. Um, probably. A Google. I don't know. Did I did Mark Shaman do Mary Poppins? Why don't you look it up instead of talking to the air? I'll do an elevator pitch. <laughs> no. Um no, I don't think it was a badly made film. I just didn't like the change of accent. Whoops, and... turns out I don't like Googling things. Because mm. I didn't feel like opening my You're phone. So funny. Hey. You're so funny, Danny. Why are you what are you doing? Why are you believing? I'm laughing me? so hard. You're hysterical. Don't do this. 
Not in front of the kids. Oh, Stop look at bringing who's, it up. Look at who's chuckling now, Stop fucker. Stop bringing it up. You know there's Why a word for people like you. reference the other film? Oh, Mary Poppins? No, The Lion King. Why would you reference the other film where What's Timon happen- does cut Pumbaa off? Oh, oh, oh my and god. And he's supposed to say I... not in front of the kids. You gave me a str- Oh, that's what I'm referencing? Yeah, you're saying not in front oh, of the kids. No, I meant- when directly in the Lion King remake that they just He's like, "Aren't you supposed to cut me off right now?" And it's like, "No." Nah. Like like that's Stupid. It is big time Stupid. cringe. Molly, it's cringy. It's so cringe. It's triple cringe. It makes me want to throw something through a window because now you're just ruining the song. Are you feeling all right? You're turning no. red. You're so. I didn't know you were so angry about this. I thought we were going to have a fun time. We're going to have to talk about Aladdin next. All right. Uh, remake of Aladdin's weird. Only saw part of it. Didn't really finish watching it. I've watched the whole thing while writing an essay. And on, on Disney Plus <laughs> about Aladdin. No, it was not, but it became to be about it. No, um, I actually I liked it more than I thought it would. But here is did what... you just say I liked it more than I thought it would? No, than I would. I I don't know. What hey, means. listener, if you know what Molly said, why don't you write to us on Twitter at the Pants Podcast? Um. Also, hashtag uh, the way you want Molly to kill me. Yeah, please. Just put like. Hashtag with a knife. Yeah, we'll know what it means. Hashtag knives out. Oh, knives out is the best movie. Knives out is amazing. I'm just gonna sit here and daydream about knives out. You're wearing a shirt Aladdin. with knives out on it. I am, and I didn't realize that when I said it. Um, no, but so Aladdin. I actually liked it more than I thought I would, but I did figure out the other problem with live action remakes of cartoons. Ewe. So with the Lion King. I'm sorry, King, I did that. That was cringe. Am I cringe too? Shit. Yeah, but for a different reason. Oh. No. So um. What was annoying and didn't work about The Lion King was that you can't have real animals do the motions of cartoon animals. Now, you can have humans do that. Their faces might not be as expressive, but their their movements can be as expressive yeah. as a cartoon. However, a cartoon voice for a live-action character, it doesn't work. And it's hard to explain unless you're watching the movie. But if you watch the movie, listen to Aladdin's voice. And you're like, the way he's delivering these lines feels fake. It doesn't feel real. Because the way you say it in a cartoon, it's a cartoon saying those lines. He's delivering it very similarly, I would say, to how the cartoon Aladdin's lines are delivered. The guy from Full House. Right. I think he delivers the lines the same way. But it doesn't work when a human's talking like that because then it just sounds fake if I'm a human and I'm talking like this. You know, we saw the Broadway production of Aladdin. Oh, um, that was a whole and, other... Well, that was... Book. No, because we had... The guy playing Aladdin was very talented, but he so was talented. doing... Uh, oh, what a man. Oh, he was ripped. Anyway, uh, I, uh, uh, what was I talking about? His... His voice, his, his announcer deep, voice. Rich. Oh yeah, no, he had a very theatrical 1930s-esque delivery. Yeah, uh, it sounded like he was a paper boy. He, you know, one day you'll be proud of your boy. I'll yeah. make you proud of your boy. It was, it was very shaky, and that and that didn't work either. A vibrato. Because I was days. like, Aladdin isn't from the 30s, so I am confused. But the whole musical is styled more oh. like a 1930s Cab Calloway. The musical is great. I think the Aladdin musical of the. I haven't seen many of the Disney Yo, musicals. Yo, where's Babcack, Omar, Aladdin, and Kasima? Okay, no, no, no. Like, if All we're right. gonna, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, if we're gonna make look, Aladdin look, look. longer. Okay, so look, in the Broadway version. Welcome of Aladdin, to the fourth hour of the podcast. We're yes. just getting into Aladdin. No, so in the Broadway musical of Aladdin, they bring these characters, Babcack, 
Babcack, Omar, Aladdin, and Kasim. Aladdin, Aladdin was already in Aladdin. <laughs> Aladdin was already there, but you can't say it without his name in the middle. The, it's these Aladdin's friends, and they essentially replace Abu because you can't have Abu be on the live stage without it being like a puppet. Or, they could have done it, but they didn't. Right? I'm not I'm trying like, to brainstorm how well you could train a monkey. Yeah, you could have like a puppet. But anyway, they have him have human friends instead of the monkey. And so the monkey is the sultan. No, <laughs> <laughs> no so they, they have them these human friends. Hello, and doctor. They get the catchiest song in the world, Babcack, Omar, Aladdin, Kasim. It's great. And it's fun and it works in the musical. The first time I saw the musical, I was like, fuck this. No monkey, no show. The second time I saw it, I was like, ah, oh, no, like, this is fun. The third time I loved it even more. It's great. It they works do that wonderfully. Great high adventure song. That's fun. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a fun show. It's a great way to make Aladdin a live action show. Yeah. And particularly Babcack, Omar, and Kasim, I think, are great seeing them as live action yeah. because they are not based on a cartoon. Now, I will say this Jafar's voice does work in real life because jonathan freeman who plays jafar in the animated film has uh kept up his role on broadway for about five years now and he's incredible and i i love him and he's so talented and so good at what he does and jafar's character is an he over is the a lot yeah character. that's again disney villain gotta carry right. the somewhat boring parts of the movie he but gets to be bigger and also I suppose that theatrically speaking, I think that theater has more in common with animation yeah, than for sure. theater has more in common with animation, which is something that Howard Ashman himself talked about. Like, because it's a heightened reality in theater, nothing really looks real. So you're just, you're, there's no suspension of disbelief to be had. When, you know, when Mary Poppins flies around in a theater, you can see the thick cables coming out of her back. That's not the point. It's a theater production. Right. Versus in a movie, if the flying looked fake, you'd be very distracted because it's a movie. Why would the flying not look real? I and with animation, yeah. you can just draw her flying and she looks like she's flying because it's a cartoon. I think there's a similarity between theater and cartoons. You deliver everything a little bit bigger. Again, exaggeration yeah. for the sake of clarity. That's true in theater and animation, but in a film, you're supposed to be much more subtle. Right. So you can't do over-the-top things when you're being subtle. And, like, honestly, like, you're I don't want to pay money for you to give me... <laughs> a quieter version of Aladdin? Yeah, like, a quieter, more... It's just, I don't want something that's real. If I wanted something real, I'd walk outside. You know like, what you want? You want adventure in the I Great Wide somewhere. in the Great Wide Do you want somewhere. it more than you can tell? I do. For once, it might be grand. To understand. No, but so I just I liked the Aladdin more than I thought I would, the honestly. Aladdin. And they of the Disney live action movies. Thank you for not stumbling over that. <laughs> Keep going. For the live action movies, it is the most colorful, and I love the color, and it needs the color yeah. because Aladdin is colorful and it's fun, and yeah. I do think you good know casting. It's good casting. All those definitely. actors are good. The kid, who, the guy who plays Aladdin, I called him yeah, a kid. Yeah, he's, he's older good. Than me. He's doing a great Aladdin. I don't think Aladdin. They're works playing the playing characters. The yeah, they are playing. The is- problem is yes. in the conception and the direction, the attempt to. Uh, once you have this conflict of let's make everything very detailed and kind of hyper realistic, and then you're fighting the camp, fun 1930s thief of Baghdad influence on Aladdin that Howard Ashman had brought in, which is emphasized to the nth degree in the Broadway version where they go full camp, full fun 1930s musical genius. He sounds like Cab Calloway like he was originally intended to uh, before they decided to Robin Williams it up, which is for the best in the animated version. But like 
you're looking at, you know, two different adaptations of Aladdin. The theater one, they say, let's go full fun, full camp. You know, it's not a cartoon, but it is big and fun and colorful. And then you're looking at the movie where they want to have their cake and eat it too. They want it to be colorful and fun because that's what Aladdin, the Disney version is. But they also want to add this texture and try to make it more realistic and try to make it uh, less offensive, which is a positive initiative uh, for, a, for a film version. And it's good to have ethnically appropriate casting for those characters. But what I'm saying is that, like, the writing and so much of it is still intended to be this big, fun, crazy cartoon. And so then you have these actors out there doing big, crazy, fun performances, and they're in a movie that doesn't quite seem like it should be that way, that is not necessarily intended to be that way, but they still are doing the character. It's just odd. No, but <clears throat> they, they are still going big, though, which I appreciate, which isn't, like, what you have in something like The Lion King or, yeah. you know, I... Even not in Beauty and the Beast as much, like it it does go big, I think. But I I don't think it. I I, I think Prince Ali is translates the best. Oh, of those I would. Numbers. I harshly disagree. I, I think I'm that the, the Prince Ali the best of those numbers in it. I'm not saying it's translated great. I think that it was of the num. I felt personally, Molly, mm-hmm. I hated the translation of the genie's numbers particularly Prince Ali, because it seems like they were just slowly walking in place down one inch of street. It seemed like they did not have enough set of street for them Mm -hmm. to actually parade. So there's not motion. It doesn't feel like a kinetic number. It feels like marching in place because the set is too small versus like weird CGI ostriches coming in. Will Smith is doing an admirable job performing it. And I feel the same way about Friend Like Me, where it's like, they're kind of like, yeah, there's all these crazy CGI visual effects going on. But then Aladdin and the genie, when they're talking, don't move out of a little four by four box because that's how big the green screen set was. Like they don't, the two of them feel like they're trapped on these floating rocks in the middle of, it looks like Spy Kids 3D game over. It seems like something that would work well, again, on the stage where you logically don't have a lot of room, but yeah. in a film you should travel miles. I see what you're saying. I just Especially, personally, I liked the, how that one looked a lot um, compared to the other numbers. Something that that movie does, it's the same thing that you're saying in Beauty and the Beast, is they're trying to correct Jasmine's character. Yeah. And I don't like that. But I think there is there is a little more room for Jasmine because she's not the hero. She is a no, side character. But that's why I don't like it. Because <laughs> that's the thing. is like She is the side character. The story is about Aladdin. Yeah. And you could say, like, you know, oh, well... You know, we should not have like just the girl who's the sidekick and like has no backstory or no personality yeah. like that. But like Jasmine has the personality. She does. I, I don't will... need the story of her. I don't need her to have a song about being. You know, wanting. Yeah. Her... I, I don't the problem need that. with Jasmine in the I original. Yeah, the problem with Jasmine in the original is that her personality becomes somewhat irrelevant towards the end because she does just end up trapped in a, a an hourglass. Like she doesn't really her her personality is not important to the climax of the film. It is ultimately important to the resolution of the film because mm-hmm. at the end he reveals to her he's not a prince. He's been lying to her the whole time. He's a real bastard. Don't know why she likes him. But at the end, her wanting to marry for love changes her father's mind. It's important in that way. But like, if you wanted to change something about Jasmine, just like give her something else to do. Like the well, problem was not the lack scene, of a musical number. That scene doesn't go that way. Her hopes way. and wants were very clearly expressed. She didn't want to marry for royal titles. She wanted to marry for love. And in the original Aladdin, she gets to do that. If you don't like that being her goal, change her goal. I, I have to say this. I'm sorry. I'm going to forget otherwise. 
I love, however, the addition of Jasmine's like handmade. Oh, oh, the is that Nassim Pedrad? Yeah, she okay. I I like that. I just think it's cute. I think it's cute that she has this love story with a genie. I actually thought if you were gonna add something that that worked well for some reason. We see because really? then when the genie becomes free. He's got a story, and I, I like that. I he has like somewhere to go. He's got somewhere to go when he's happy, and you get to see yeah. the yearning for that a little more throughout the film, which yeah. I like, and I like the idea of this, this side character. I just think it's cute, I, and it worked well. Like I, I actually yeah. liked the genie and her story more than most of the movie. <laughs> Uh, Aladdin and Jasmine are kind of a boring couple in the original, yeah. I feel. And that's, uh, by extension, true of the remake. Just because, like, I don't know, guy, girl, they like each other. Movies kind of, if it weren't for the genie and Jafar and Iago, it's not much going on there. Everyone yeah. else is interesting. Aladdin and Jasmine are just, it's like a Marx Brothers movie in that way. If you ever watch the old Marx Brothers movies, there is always just, like, a guy and a girl. And they want to fall in love, and then the Marx Brothers are there, and the Marx Brothers are hilarious and fun and funny. But for some reason, they are like, we got to help these two young people fall in love. And it's like, why? What's the point? I I was enjoying you being funny. Please don't make me watch the serious one, Zeppo or Gummo, sing to a girl at the piano. It's boring as hell. Go back to the funny stuff. But that happens in every Marx Brothers movie. And Aladdin kind of has that problem where it's like at least a whole new world is the most wonderful ballad in the world and the animation in that sequence is beautiful and the conceit is fun of the flying carpet but like if it wasn't for that that would be the moment in a marx brothers movie where the serious one sings to a girl and you check out for a while (laughs) but because genie is still going be yourself and you've got you know the beauty of the magic carpet sequence like it's just it's just a more interesting version of that same problem in a comedy, which is like the boy and the girl fall in love. Me, me, me. Bring yeah. me back to the the crazy guy and the parrot or the the funny blue man. It's true. The well, blue man group. Will... Bring out the blue man group. <laughs> I will say this. I think that so when you focus too much on Jasmine's character in Aladdin, I think you know yeah you're gonna see all the flaws or what you could do to her yeah. around her out. But you, this the movie is called Aladdin. The story is about. <laughs> Aladdin yeah. and it's about him being the hero and the fact that you can be the diamond in the rough that you can save the day that you can you know this father is worried about his daughter and yeah. while she can take care of herself that isn't the point of the movie the point of the movie is that this poor guy who has not a penny to his name can still be a noble loyal and nice guy and a hero he's worried about someone protecting his daughter he can protect his daughter she could take care of herself sure but that isn't the point of the movie that's a different movie you want to make that movie that's beauty and the beast like you know what i mean like so i don't need that from jasmine and not that that movie i think tries to do that it doesn't i just i think that's a lot of people's criticism of that that you don't need and i need more to jasmine i didn't i do think she's angrier in the live action movie at everything like i definitely feel more anger there which is a little odd and there's some other choices but I, I got a few things. Um, one, I always said, and I said that before, that I hated that in the play they took out Abu. I was like, why? Like, yeah. this is his lovable side character. But after seeing the live action movie, I can see why that wouldn't work. I actually didn't love the fact that he was there. He didn't do enough for me in that. And well, because monkeys are scary. Yeah, monkeys are scary, and they're not cartoon and lovable. Like, cartoon I would have actually cute. thought Babcack. Um, Omar and Kasim would have been better, just like this handmaid worked really well to me. Yeah. Um, and that is another sort of classic comedy thing of just like they each have like a squad of friends. Like, yeah. Like Greece or something. Um, but my biggest 
fucking <laughs> pet peeve with this movie yeah is when you're gonna just change pointless shit so that's my that's my problem with the remakes honestly of all the live action remakes this joke sums it up perfectly maybe joke isn't even the right word plot device danny you didn't see the movie i didn't see this part i know like i said well, let me ask through. you danny uh, what you remember from the cartoon um how does aladdin get out of the cave he says to the genie uh i bet you oh you're all powerful i bet you can't even get me out of this cave isn't that right abu abu i bet that he could not even get me out of this cave and the genie goes oh i'm furious at this suggestion climb on the carpet i have many arms do not go any of the places where my arms are it is a safety warning we will leave the cave and then when they're on the island he's like so you used one of your wishes and he goes i never asked for it and he goes why you bad little boy right and doesn't that work beautifully yeah, it's a fun way to get Aladdin out, but not Isn't, use one of the three wishes. D- is there any reason you think that wouldn't work in a live-action remake? No, that's actually a not-animation-focused bit. Right. Because it's just wordplay. Right, play. so that would work fine, right? In uh, Maywee. Okay, so... I actually don't know if Maywee... Let me yet. tell you, in the live-action version of Aladdin... Yeah? The thing is that... Uh, see, I wasn't actually rubbing the lamp when I made that wish. Oh. He says the words, I wish for you to get me out of the cave. Oh, so it's less clever. Yeah, it's less clever. Like, <laughs> you don't why? have to rub the, You don't have to rub the lamp when you make the wish. No. That's not the rules. Those I mean, rules. and even if you did, even if you did. Yeah. Th- why? Is you know why the... they change it? Here's why they change it, Danny. Yeah. This is my guess. Because this is how they do him getting chained to a weight where he's drowning in the ocean is the genie comes out of the lamp because Abu and the carpet give him the lamp, I believe, is how that happens. Maybe he has it. I don't know. And the genie comes out and he's like, Al, you, you gotta, instead of saying, you gotta say I wish, which would have worked fine. Yeah. He says, you gotta be rubbing the lamp. And he can't get him to be rubbing the lamp because he's unconscious. So he has him fake his signature on a contract saying, that he wishes this officially. Oh, my Lord. And it's like, you I... could have left that. This, there was no reason to change that. Not one. Why would you change that? Why? It was funny. <laughs> it was clever. It showed his street smarts, his trickster yeah. attitude. Almost like our main character was a con man, and that was a great way to establish that. Instead, it's just, I wasn't rubbing the lamp. And it's like, well, that's never been a thing. That Yeah, no, unless you're going to add a line where the genie goes. Because oh. the genie very clearly explains the rules in the original. Well, he does say, all you got to do is rub like so. Yeah, but, but that's like, to get him out of the lamp. It's, right. No, because the full lyrics are, all you got to do is rub like so, and oh. Mr. Aladdin, sir, what will your pleasure? He like yeah. pops out of the lamp as that line is being said. And the original. So it just that infuriated me to no end. I'm on the job, you big name, Bob. You ain't never had a friend like me. Right. Yeah. So that it, pointless things again, but it's almost like I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I. I. The concept of remaking them is upsetting for the obvious financial sort of yeah the, uh, the incentive money grab yeah and but manipulation but, and of I, our love. Well, yes, but everything is a manipulation of our love, Molly. I mean, it's a, it's Disney. It's a giant corporation. But, like, look at something like 101 Dalmatians, the remake of that yeah. from the 90s with, with uh, Glenn Close as Cruella de Vil and uh, Jeff Jeff Daniel. Is he the... I think I am not 100% certain. <laughs> um, you know I used to think it was Jason Segel. 15 so. puppies! Yeah. Uh, it's, I think it's a solid movie. 
I think it's a solid remake. So what do you think the difference is that why we can like that well, and not the new ones? One for, first of all, it's not a shot for shot remake. The plot is a little different. It is a modern update. Um, it is another readaptation of that same book. It it hews closer to the Disney movie than it does the the book. But I, I don't know why. I, maybe it's because it was a time when we were not inundated with them. It was just kind of one off, and then they did a sequel to it, 102 Dalmatians. I don't know if that's why it doesn't feel as egregious or if it's because, you know, they sort of had an angle. You know, here's Glenn Close. We are going to really emphasize Cruella DeVille. Cruella DeVille will be someone in more of a position of power. And, you know, I mean, maybe it's because we just like cute dogs and I we mean, like I, watching the dogs. I think we do like cute dogs and that's part of it for oh, sure. Oh, that but... is another odd angle of the movie is that the original 101 Dalmatians, all the dogs talk and are anthropomorphized for the sake of the audience. And then in the remake, they're just dogs. They don't talk? No, it's just, I mean, in the sequel, there's like a talking parrot and stuff. They don't, are you sure in 102? That they don't talk at all? Molly, don't freak me out here. I'm 90% sure the dogs don't talk in 101 Dalmatians. Maybe they don't. I thought that there was, you know, I, I mean, and I can't be sure. I could easily be thinking of Air Buddies or something, you know? Like, they probably don't. But that is an important fact that, one, we love dogs. We love seeing them. But more importantly, I think that. Part of that is not anything that unrealistic. Yeah, none of the animals talk. Okay. I'm not crazy. Okay. See, that's to me Nothing is... Nothing that unrealistic happens in 101 Dalmatians. Outside of animals talking. Outside of... But even then, like, we could just accept that as animals' internal thoughts. They aren't singing. They aren't dancing. They're being dogs. Yeah, like, the only song in the movie is... Um, sung by Cruella a Yeah, yeah. And, it, and the, the plot is he's a songwriter. playing it on the piano. Yeah. So it works. And, you know... I don't think 101 Dalmatians, I love the film. I love it yeah. very much. I don't think that's as beloved. But again, I yeah. don't think it needs to be over the top, like you're saying, because we aren't portraying anything that needs that type of portrayal. Right, except perhaps Cruella Deville herself. And the primary thing that we, clearly the thing we remember more than even the animals in that movie is Glenn Close as Cruella Deville. Oh, yeah. Is her performance because she didn't just do the, I'll get those puppies. She made it like a diva. She feels like a Meryl Streep character yeah. b- before Devil Wears Prada. She feels like that kind Some of character. Some say the Devil Wears Prada is based on Glenn Close's performance. I think that the Devil Wears Prada was originally called the Devil Wears Puppies, parenthesis, you know, like Cruella DeVille, yeah, close no, parenthesis. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, that's true. what and I that, called it. I think it. is done well, and neither are as popular as other movies. Like the cartoon 101 Dalmatians yeah. and those live action movies aren't much like the Alice in Wonderland popular. remake, which I personally don't much both got care sequel. for that film. Oh, that's true. They are both remakes with, with a sequel. Sequels. But I think that they're both going for slightly lesser known Disney stuff. <clears throat> like everyone remembers 101 yeah. Dalmatians, everyone remembers Alice, but they're not Snow White. They're not. Um, Ale- and, uh, Cinderella. And they're not musicals. Like, there are some singing in... Oh, Alice in Wonderland actually has more songs than any Disney movie, but the characters aren't right, usually the singing. the characters aren't They singing. sing, like, very merry And when birthday. they are, it's they are singing. Like, it's it's in the yes. scene they are singing. Can it's you not... pause this? I have to go to the bathroom. I'm so sorry. It's not, um... Not a Broadway style. No, it's not, like, in a scene that there wouldn't be singing. Like, I don't think a lot of them Jasmine are actually singing. It's a non-diegetic performance. Yes, Whereas yes. the birthdays, the unbirthday song, they would right. be singing. That's right. very true. I think there's only one or two numbers in Alice in... God, that's disgusting. In Alice in Wonderland. Uh, like, you know, when she sits down in the Told You Woods and is, is crying, and there, there's that song that might... 
sort of Alice beat. in Wonderland is weird. Like, but it's also yeah. weird, so it's fine yeah. if you're saying. But anyway, so remaking that and 101 Dalmatians, I think the reason those are different is because they each came at it with an angle. Mm-hmm. You know, they whereas like Beauty and the Beast, it's like we're doing Beauty and the Beast again. But don't worry, we fixed the plot hole. It's different now. But it's also exactly the same. That's the thing is like they just want you to like remember that movie. But then they also want like the Disney wants the like brownie points mm-hmm. of like, look, we know that the timeline doesn't quite match up. And it's like, hey, guess what? It doesn't actually matter. No, but like, look, it's like it's like better feminism because she built a, a washing machine. Oh, so like a woman doing laundry is your idea of better <laughs> feminism. Great job. Two men rewriting a woman's screenplay. I, you know, but also, Danny, I, like, I think what you said is they weren't doing it all at once. Like, at the time when Disney made those other remakes, they were still making new movies. We're not, oh, yeah, we're that's... not getting, we get new Pixar movies. We yeah, don't but even get... then we're getting a lot of Pixar sequels, aren't we? Uh, not lately. No, we, we had... got some Coco, we got some Onward, we're getting Coco's Soul. Coco's so good. See, and it's good, and it's oh, I new. Love Coco. There are so many untold stories just waiting to be told. That you sounds know what? like we, a song. You know what I feel like, Molly? What, Danny? By the way, that would be a great song. It's I a shame Howard Ashman passed away. But, um, no, but I, I, I feel like those guys in Ratatouille who come into the restaurant, and you're looking at me confused, but this is going to make a lot of sense. We come in, and and uh, you know, the waiter voiced by John Ratzenberger comes up to them, and they're like, "What do you have that's new?" And then he goes, uh, there is a, a, a chef special. Uh, uh, and they go, no, no, no. We know all the old stuff. What do you have that's new? And then he runs into the kitchen and he goes, oh, they want something new. And then Skinner goes, you know, oh, give them an old Gusto recipe. Uh, they will never know the difference. And so then Colette pulls out the old Gusto recipe. Mm-hmm. And she's going to make it exactly the same. Oh, this is beautiful. Exactly. She's going to make it exactly the same because that's what Gusto would do. And it is this uncreative mindset of let's recreate something that is old, that they have slightly forgotten, but they will enjoy. And they taught us this. And lesson. then you know what Remy does? Remy says, Remy says, I'm going to change it. And she goes, you cannot change it. It is Gusto. And you know what else they like, Molly? They like linguine soup. They like linguine soup. But so it's, we are it's hungry tough. for there's, original things. There's such a balance, though, because we, like we've said, we've kind of, we've said, yeah. I don't want you to give me exactly the same thing. Yeah. But I don't want you to change pointless things. Like I think if you're gonna commit to it being different, it's got to be like the Grinch, where you're either adding something that was truly missing. <laughs> you need Jim Carrey. You need Jim and Carrey. A lot, of latex. a lot of makeup. No, or you need like the Hundred and One Dalmatians type thing of. We're doing the same thing, but it's not like it it's works an this way. Yeah. It's an angle, and and I think that we still need new content in addition to this. What's infuriating, infuriating about it is that every single movie they're doing. Yeah, yeah. you know, we we have Mulan coming out someday. <laughs> whenever, whenever the world resets, in and, a, in a hopefully and, and just we're a few gonna months. do that fine. Like, but then you got the Little Mermaid that's coming. They made the Lady and the Tramp one for Disney Plus. I haven't seen it. I again don't know the point. I imagine it has to be boring. It's. I believe the point like, is to do less racism. Oh, like, well, but just slightly less, not a lot. Just a little. The bad guy cats, I believe, sing a jazz number, which is oh, still kind of demonizing. Right. Uh, a, a type of music that was innovated by African Americans, so maybe not the best nah, way to replace but, but your racist. I love Siamese. a good jazz evil. Yes, number. we all love jazz. Ja- yes, jazz be. sounds evil, but that's because we have the association of it being demonized. No, it's because we have the association of jazz with sexy, and we have the association of villains with sexy. See, we're associating again 
these things that are just perfectly fine that were demonized a hundred years ago and 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 Molly, this is why we find them evil. You know, it's the same reason that we're like, oh, these villains are so fun and colorful. It's because we hated fun and color and we associated those things with with uh, 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 LGBTQIA plus people, Molly. And so they were villainized. And that is why there is a there is a whole resurgence of loving these characters and embracing them because, Molly, we have Mm. queer coded uh, uh, these bad guys. But in reality, all it did was make us love the villains more. because society has unfairly demonized the other. And so whether it is jazz music or whether it is uh, bright, colorful, fun characters, we end up embracing those things and yet we still portray them as evil. Like, like being sexy. There's nothing wrong with being sexy. I'm sexy Velma. But we demonize it. We still make it this evil thing and we because it's still a taboo in a way. Same thing with color and brightness. And so now you've got things like the remake of Aladdin where they're like, Jafar's not not bright and colorful anymore because that might be uh, insulting to gay people because we might have queer-coded him too much. But the thing is, then Jafar loses his personality. And the actor who plays Jafar is very good, but that doesn't mean that he can make up for the lack of personality. You have to give him something else or make your heroes that way. I'm coming to Disney for a serious film. (laughs) I am coming to Disney for color. I'm coming to Disney (laughs) for songs. I'm not coming for an evil bad guy. I'm coming for a fun one, a memorable one. But the, I, honest to God, I'm sure he did a great performance. Jafar does not stand out to me in the live action film yeah. at all. Whereas in the animated, Whereas the version, animated version, he's a highlight. You're having a wedding where everyone dresses as Jafar. Oh, yeah. Like, By the way, I don't know if anyone's heard yet, but uh, the day I get married, everyone will come dressed as Jafar. A different kind of Jafar. Yeah, no, because I'm going to be. I'm going to be, I think I'll be Jafar. I want the priest to be Jafar with the pointy hat when he becomes the most powerful sorcerer in the world. I think I'll be Jafar Prime. My uh, my spouse will be Jafar in the white outfit when he's the sultan. Mm-hmm. Um, Molly is going to climb on a man's back and the man will be hunchback Jafar and Molly will be Iago peeking out going, yeah. Jafar! That's my character. So, you know, we've all got different things. Big Snake Jafar will be, someone gets to be Big Snake, someone gets to be Big Red Genie Jafar, someone gets to be Return of Jafar, which is same as Sorcerer Hat Jafar, but Broadway with some more pink Jafar. coloring. And now we can throw in live action Jafar. Live action Jafar is welcome. I welcome all Jafars. But, yeah, so it, it, that's just what I think. Is there, um, Danny, uh, any, uh, what you call it? Any movies that you think they should do a live action remake of that you think might be cool? The Black Cauldron. Because it doesn't get any love at all? Well, first of all, it doesn't get any love at all, and I'd like to see just some interest in The Black Cauldron. Second of all, it's based on a series of fantasy books. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could just do whatever. You could just kind of use it as a blank canvas. No one's really attached to it. I think it could reinvigorate uh, sort of The Black Cauldron. I mean, because. Listen, at the end of the day, I would like Disney to do some hand-drawn animation. I would like Disney to greenlight original ideas. And especially with live-action films, I'd like to see Disney take more chances, especially on creators of of color, people from different walks of life. But if if we have to remake, if If you're telling me this is the shackling Mm -hmm. uh, 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 constraints of this, uh, it'll totally work as a live-action movie because the fantasy elements are meant to look realistic and scary. The Horned King, who is the bad guy, is not a fun bad guy. He is explicitly a scary bad guy. He'll be great as, like, just, you know, your generic mocap creature, or you could do some really advanced puppetry and make him look scary and cool. There was an animatronic of him at, uh, I believe it was Tokyo Disneyland. They had the Cinderella Mystery Castle walkthrough, and it ended with this animatronic horned king, and he was frightening. He used to scare people like crazy. You could do, like, a really advanced puppet version of him, or just do the mocap CGI thing, and it or would look good. do some really good makeup. Leave I mean, yeah. from face off to do the Listen, makeup. Listen, Rick Baker is I'm not dead. I'm all about 
real. Oh, um, don't you love don't you love Face Off? Yeah, not, what a good show that was. Great show. Not the movie where they switch faces. There's a show no, called a Face show Off where, where they, they did latex makeup. Make, yeah. Worse. You now you and um our brother were quite fond of the Cinderella live action remake. Oh yes, I did. I will say that at the opposite end of all the spectrum, all my negativity. I went to a theater with my brother. Uh, weird situation where we just decided to see mm-hmm. Cinderella, the the live action remake. Um, and we went to see it together, and we sat in the theater and we watched the Kenneth Branagh directed remake of Cinderella, and we, I ended up crying like twice, for a few times. Mm-hmm. I cried. Uh, you know the the backstory is shown quite simply. It's just her mom dies. And then her father remarries, and then her father dies. And those are the just the facts of Cinderella. In the original Disney version, it's just the storybook opening says that stuff. Right. That's the exposition. In this version, you see it, and it's just presented quite plainly. There's no frills about it. And I cried. I th- it was I just emotional. It was just well-directed. It's very beautiful. And, and then at the end, I'm sorry, no, I did cry because I found myself getting invested. And I was like, oh, this like fable works because like yes it is shitty to sort of portray her as like a a victim of abuse who just quietly takes all this and then at the end is rewarded even though like i don't know it it has always sat with me as other people are rewarded not yeah no no like she the abusers are rewarded like they don't really get a comeuppance in the disney version yeah outside of like she's rich you know like but in the original version they get their eyes poked out and you know crows and whatever um that's a little much. <laughs> I just feel like in this version, it w- it w- really was sweet to see her have a happy ending. You're like, oh, this is a person I like, and I've watched her work really hard all her life and suffer kind of silently, and it is just a pleasant fantasy, the notion that people who suffer can just have a happy ending. And I'm like, oh, yeah, duh. Like, just because something, she's not a proactive hero or whatever, that doesn't actually matter. I like this character and someone is whisking her away to a happy ending. And it's so emotional because she's just nice. Right. And I, like, forgot that something could be so simple and, like, yeah, I mean, sure, if this was a modern story, I'd like to see her seek emotional help and stuff but this is just it's a fairy tale no and you're right oh and i cried when the king sorry in the remake the king spoiler alert who is always after his uh his son the prince kit to marry on his deathbed he just tells his son he loves him and i wept in a theater (laughs) and i was like do i have daddy issues and then like i was just i was watching this and i just started weeping because like oh he's been a a hard ass to his son the whole movie but like at the end he does just want his kid happy and also there's some nice light comedy here and there helena bottom carter who's actually uh she was kenneth brana's uh partner romantically for a time and they're they broke up, but she's mm-hmm. still in the movie years later. So I guess they get along well enough to do that. Uh, she's very good in that as the fairy godmother. She does a yeah. fun kind of, uh, not ditzy, but absent-minded professor version of the fairy godmother. So I think, I mean, I love Cinderella. Cinderella is, it's one of my favorite Disney stories, probably just because in childhood I, I loved that yeah. story. and it was one I never of the, liked it. It was one of the few I knew, though. I loved Cinderella and 3, A Twist in Time. I know. That you, was you for You really Danny. were a fan of that. Um, <laughs> but I think that, well, I, I hate the criticism that Cinderella gets. I hate the criticism all of the Disney princess movies get because... Oh, I don't know. Sleeping Beauty deserves it. Okay, well, I, Aurora, that's the one I'm not going to touch. Aurora's a weird character. I have rarely seen that. I've seen that very few times in my life. It's a beautiful all, movie. A it's very ago. pretty. But I, I don't like the criticism princesses get in movies because that it's not... Oh. I, I get that why yeah. we have the criticism because for so long, like, the only... Female characters were this. Fine. But 
it's okay if some female characters are someone that is saved. I would, like, that's okay. I would much prefer if, and, and I'm a man, so what the hell do I know? But it seems almost like instead of constantly trying to either go back and justify Disney princesses or go back and rewrite history with them or remake their movies and mm. try to add some sort of, uh, you know, token feminism without actually addressing the serious societal issues mm. that are presented in these Disney movies. Like, you know, I don't want to get into it, but there are more recent Disney films that attempt to appear woke through, uh, you know, like, oh, look, we have ethnically appropriate casting. The director of this movie is still a white British man. But, hey, you know, like, they don't seem to be willing to put in the effort behind the scenes and, and mm. actually boost voices of, of marginalized people. And instead they seem focused on just, like, but it seems like it's woke because we said LeFou is gay. And it's like, couldn't you have let, like, a woman rewrite this movie or just use Linda Wolverton's screenplay or let a woman direct the movie instead of saying, no, look, we're feminists now because we said LeFou is gay. And it's like... You're you're not actually letting him be gay in the movie, and also he is still a bad guy. Like he's a likable bad guy, but maybe we should instead of continue to queer oh, code no, villains make like Lumiere gay. Lefou is actually the hero of the film. <sighs> Let's not talk about the Epcot sing along show where Lefou turns out to be the good guy, where they Lion King one and a half this. That'll be its own episode, Molly. However, I just I just feel yeah. like um oh real quick we did mention Sleeping Beauty and of course the Maleficent I, movies. I, I will touch on. Okay, that. okay, we'll get. We'll I'll get, get there. there, but I don't want to lose this thing. train of thought. I wish they would make new Disney princesses and right. Give spotlight me, you new can voices. give me a new story, like Moana. but don't criticize the old story because here's the thing. Look, like yes, I want a princess who can save herself. Sure, yeah. that's great. I'm not denying that, but there's nothing wrong with the princess that is saved from this bad situation that she didn't know how to get yeah. herself out of. And I wouldn't argue that the prince is rescuing her. I would argue that fairy godmother does, which so feminism all the way. Um and, <laughs> well, and yay for magic. No, um but my bigger thing is my problem with Cinderella is not that storyline. Because some people are in bad situations and you know, they I like the idea of them getting a happy ending. That's great. What I think the live action movie does correct that i think these other films were trying correct to correct but they didn't need to correct is that this film gives emotion to cinderella that we don't really see as much in the cartoon yeah she gets not a new personality but we see her personality like flushed out really well the fact that she is so nice despite all of these terrible things everyone's done to her we see her heart we see her pain we see it all and it's not as you know Sto- her and Snow White are very stoic. We don't see a lot of emotion in them. Maybe because of the you early see some styles. crying. We see some crying, but it's that's also very Actually, feminine crying of like. <laughs> I would like to argue, as opposed to masculine crying. <laughs> no, as opposed to expressive crying that's yeah. ugly and real. Yeah, I would say that Snow White. Weirdly, when I watched that movie recently, I felt a tremendous amount of personality from her. Maybe just because the movie is at this point so old that it almost feels like it's glitching sometimes. <laughs> it does. Just because it was an experiment. This was a, a new field for Disney to go into. Mm-hmm. The, the previous animated films had, you know, were like silhouette animated features from from like Germany and stuff. Uh, and the and the the I, I think it's God. I can't remember. I'm sorry. I don't want to give half facts here, but it was not technically the first animated feature film. However. Um, it was the first color animated feature film and it was Disney's first and it was a new time for them so there are some oddities in the film but I felt a tremendous amount of personality from her because she's just like a weird child character. She like Mm. is this kind of like eternally optimistic. She she prays to God to bless the dwarves, even grumpy, like weird stuff that you don't quite remember because you just remember her like, I'm making soup. Well, but like she actually like she makes them wash up. She like there's an odd sort of maybe 
with Harvey's not so much personality, but yeah. I would say, and, and I'm your criticism say, like, is valid. Of, maybe a lack of expression, almost like not to criticize oh, yeah, the no. animation, but it's which very is flat. They were pulling uh, Disney. I mean, look, it's masterful work. Mm-hmm. It's better than anything I'll ever make in my entire life. I'm a, I'm a miserable failure, but. The thing about Snow White is that the dwarves are so expressive. The queen, when she turns into the old hag, quote unquote, is so expressive. But Snow White and the prince, you almost have to just listen to their voice for the expression because her face usually looks about the same, whether she's happy or sad. It might because she is as white as snow. Partly, yeah. I mean, maybe that might have something to do with it. But it also is they went, they tried to make her as realistic as possible and they rotoscoped quite a few scenes in that film and the rest were sort of done from live action reference footage. Yes. The gaps in Snow White. I think are clearly addressed in the fact that they've never done a shot for shot live action remake of Snow White because you can't. You know what I mean? Like every time they've done. I mean, done... they did Snow White, not like they've done reinterpretations. No, they've done. That's what I'm saying. Not Disney, every but other time companies. they do a live action Snow White, it's like got a weird twist to it because I think she is so like flat. Yeah. And the story itself is like. Not that the story, the, the story does not, wouldn't translate well, I don't think, if you did like a shot for shot remake of that as a live action film. Sure. I think that's why they go to all these weird adaptations. I think it would be like movie. Annie in a weird way. Yeah, I can kind of see She that. lives under this kind of oppressive mother figure like Miss Hannigan, and she kind of toils and does chores for her, which is much more the focus of Cinderella, and you spend time with Cinderella in that environment, whereas Snow White leaves it almost immediately. Because yeah. she's just made to wear rags, so she will appear quote-unquote homely compared to the She's kind of just queen. like a mother to these dwarf children who are older than her. But I like that. Like Again, that is the charming aspect when you watch it. She's like a little kid playing house it's almost. It's charming, but then you would also have all the things with the animals. Like It would be weird. You know yeah, I mean? no, which is part of the point of Enchanted is that that character right. in real life is crazy. But what I like about Enchanted, oh. which is not quite a Disney remake or anything, but it is an interpretation of those characters and it is a comment on them. Comment on them. I do love. like that it is not a cruel comment or a sarcastic. It's not like a DreamWorks no. movie where they go like, Shrek, aren't fairy tales bullshit? Fart noise. Like that's Shrek. Yeah. Which Shrek has a we point. We love Shrek, but well, that's not We stand Shrek. But I also feel like to a certain degree, um, Enchanted is like a positive comment on the Disney films about like, no, this is not a realistic way to live your life. Yes, animals are actually filthy and would not help you clean and yada yada. And that's not a healthy way to live your life. But she makes that Patrick Dempsey guy fall in love with her. And it's like, Is it Patrick Dempsey? Yeah. Oh, God. And it's, Did but it's also, it shows, it's like the flip. Like she needs to be pulled a little into reality and he needs to be pulled a little bit into fiction. And yeah. that's. But her... I love that movie. That we could do. We are going to do a whole thing on Enchanted. Molly is now scrawling down the word Enchanted. Um, but I absolutely agree, and that's part of what I like about it is that um, it. But it does also. I mean, look, that movie does also do the thing of at the end, the big evil dragon, the queen turns into loudly comments like, "There's no one to save you now, princess. A princess saving herself." Nah, like she does like four yeah, or five jokes little... about you know. But to be fair, it's like it is just an example. That woman played by Adina Menzel. No, it's Susan Sarandon. Oh, or Sarandon. I don't know. No, how to it. the evil queen. Yeah. Isn't that no? Because the evil queen ends up marrying the prince. No, no, no. That's he? the fiance of <gasps> oh, her boyfriend. Is that Adina Menzel? It could. In my head it could, it is. I have no clue. It probably is. I haven't but seen it in, in so it long. Is. I'm gonna um, watch Enchanted later. It's a great film. Hey um, fellas, you want to watch Enchanted? I got an elevator no, pitch, but right after that, I'm free. I got a chopstick plot for Enchanted. <laughs> I do think it does it well, but I think let's lunch. We should meal. Let's do a meal. Let's do a meal. I'll Don't do a chopstick time for this plot. podcast is already so long. Let's um, do a special message. We'll plop in at the beginning about how long this episode long. is. Yeah. Uh, hey, no, um, so, this is us deciding to do that warning yeah, you that heard at the top of the podcast. Yeah. 
No, but so that thing you do starring think, Tom Hanks. I think Cinderella, the live action one. I think that it gives her more expression. Yeah. We just flush out her character. We don't change it. We don't add this weird element to it. We yeah. just flush it out. Not enough music. And at the time it was done, when they were again not just doing this with thirty movies at once. Yeah, it was. You could feel and Cinderella's the been done as a live action yeah. show. It doesn't require these other. It doesn't require the weird animation. I will say that it does feel nice to center the story on her instead of having the diversions with Jacques Jacques and Gus. As lovable as those characters are in the Love Disney them. version, uh, the the live action remake, it is nice to just like see the story of this woman. And then we spend time with the prince and she meets the prince ahead of time. There's a lot of good stuff in that remake and I, I enjoy it quite a bit. And um, yeah, I mean, it is just an attempt to get me to pay to see another version yeah. of Cinderella and I did but someone was gonna make it anyway no but I enjoy I really did enjoy it like I yeah. like that to me is a successful example of it but it's also like you're looking at it and you're like trying to root through all these movies like you know like oh is Dumbo good no what about this one? Oh, is Alice in Wonderland I mean it, it's different but I didn't like you know Dumbo's another one you, you can't make a movie <laughs> why did we why think did we, we should do remake this? that like it didn't because they asked Tim Burton if he wanted to and he said I guess it just, this is a movie about animals. Movies about animals don't need to be made <laughs> live action. You just don't. I but don't I will say this. Now, Maleficent is different. Yes. Because I feel if they are going to give me these live action stories, I don't mind if you wicked it a little bit. You know, where you give me. <laughs> We're doing verbs that aren't verbs again. <laughs> I wicked it. Give me. I whip it. Yeah. I whip it. No, where you give me the villain story. Yeah. I don't mind that. Because I, it's different. Yeah. I also like the notion of what I was talking about before where the villains are often more colorful and that mm-hmm. plays into this negative thing of, of demonizing the other uh, and sort of you know telling yeah. us to keep buttoned up and very heteronormative and all that. But I will say that Maleficent is a great example of like, it's it's not trying to worm its way into the original so much. It's just like, Here's a different version. She's not actually the bad guy. She is a victim of something that is, you know, coded for, you know, like a horrific trauma sort of experience. What a great comment on life because most of our real life bad guys have experienced some kind of trauma. Yeah, but I don't think we should be. I mean, let's be clear about this, Molly. Not not all of our bad guys deserve as much sympathy as Angelina Jolie and those fake cheekbones, okay? Because that's... No, maybe not all of them, but I... No, like, you know, I personally feel that way that most people aren't... I don't personally believe that the majority of A lot of people don't know this, but... But Hitler had his horns cut off and his wings severed, and he can't go back to the other Maleficent people. And that's why he did what he did. Yeah. Why do you keep being Ron Burgundy? I'm not being Ron Burgundy. I'm being Scooby-Doo, but coherent. No, yeah, I, Riddler. In real life, you know, we judge people who are, we quote-unquote, mean or harsh. And real, in reality, most of those people have gone through Buford, something Buford, the bully on traffic, Phineas and Ferb, was it. actually nice, but he just <laughs> so people have had gone some through issues something quite traffic. He just... <laughs> Yeah, Maleficent walked through traffic, and now she wants to make a girl prick her finger on a spinning mm-hmm. wheel. But it's true, and I, I like when we see that, because yeah. I think when we're always given villains as just villains, it's easy to look at people in real life as just villains. And sure. that perpetuates the hate that we just unwittingly throw at each other yeah. without thinking, like, oh, maybe this person experienced something that made them this way. It's not excusing, you know, making a girl fall asleep for forever for yeah. pricking her finger on a wheel. It's not excusing that, but it's like, oh, like, 
maybe I see how you got here. And if someone had been nice to you along the way and maybe gotten you some help, maybe you wouldn't be inflicting this pain on other sure. people. But again, I just I think it's nice to see them try to do that with a, a character who yeah. is kind of a big diva character who might fall easily falls in line with, you know, Ursula and other characters who clearly represent. But are... is also underrated. I'd say all the Sleeping Beauty Interesting, because Maleficent is often portrayed as like the leader of the Disney villains. Um, unless you're talking about uh, House of Mouse, House of Villains, where it's Jafar as the yeah, leader. But usually it's, usually I feel like Maleficent is like the leader. Um, oh, fantastic. I mean. I'll turn his dream. Okay, Molly, <laughs> don't test me because I will turn your dream into a nightmare phantasmic and you might not have a job tomorrow. So look out for that. I will. Okay, because I, Molly, I will turn your dream into a nightmare phantasmic. Danny, are the pants too tight? Oh, the pants are so tight right now, Molly. Um, so I think if I was to pick a Disney movie, oh, that remake, would be yes. a live action remake. Did I say that? Which one I would pick? Already? I said Black Cauldron. What did you pick? I don't think I picked. I, what I was going to say is that's where I was initially going to go with Maleficent is I think I'd like to see something like that where I get the backstory. Um, I pr- you should watch the Starkid musical Twisted where they do the cartoon Aladdin, but it's like Jafar's. It's like Do we wicked. find out how his beard got so twisty? So twisted. That is maybe the worst part of the original Aladdin is when she does like the Bugs Bunny like, I'll seduce you for a second. Like, your beard is uh, twisted. That is the that is the cringiest part of the original Aladdin. Um, I would say I'd like to see Disney do... No, I'd know, like an know. Ursula because she seemed to be in the yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, I, well, I agree with Ursula. I wouldn't Hashtag say, Ursula did nothing wrong. No, I wrong. want the backstory of her and King Triton. Yeah, which I haven't seen actually. I haven't seen the third area, uh, Little Mermaid. So I, I don't know if that goes. Oh into it at no, all. I've seen it. There's nothing. There's to do something with about it. it? No, okay. the the bad guy in that well, is voiced I by. I want to see her growing um, up with her sister from Sally the second Field? movie. Yeah. Like I want to see what happened back there but that was Ursula's be crazy my sister yeah. yeah um i that wasn't my choice what's her name morgana something yeah i think so okay no i would i would honestly like a live action disney version of hercules i just think it would be fun to see that would again but for me with that so much of the fun of that is the design aesthetic and you could totally do a version of hercules but right now I'm picturing the way they'll do it, and it's not fun in my head. The version that is like approved by the studio. Yeah, I feel like if they if they tell me you have to make one, I would want it to be that. And here's why. I don't know. I just so here's yeah, why. No, Hear me out. Defend yourself. Because we don't you get fool. enough love for Hercules. We don't. We don't. Yeah. If they did it, I would want it to be not in a cool way. I would want it to be as cartoony as possible. But and do I think it would be good? No, I don't. <laughs> I think it would Hercules be trash. But then I think if we have such a trash remake, people will like the original hey, more. guess what, Molly? It's not working because Beauty and the Beast made almost $2 million. Okay, well, then <laughs> we'll billion. love it. And then we'll get some representation and I'll finally get my Hercules sandals. No, I think that it would just be interesting yeah. to see. I think it'd be cute. Um, you could play it totally straight because, like, Hercules the original is a, like, really fun all-cartoon version, not shooting for realism in any way yeah. version of the story. You could totally just do, like, that but boring. I just think that's what i pick because I don't want them to mess with the other ones. I The only reason I'd pick that is because I think maybe it would spark some love I think you could mess with one of those old ones that I don't really care about that much and I'd be cool with it. No. Like, you know what would like, be cool? Live action three caballeros, just three birds, just no. three birds in hats. Oh my god, no, I would die. No, um, I three think caballeros, that... three gay caballeros. No, if I was to get a v- villain, I think it'd be cool to um have a nice Hades, just his whole 
Oh, it's no. What if we remake like a fun like Hollywood movie like Get Shorty, but like with Hades like running around wheeling and dealing and just being like, come on, babe, sign a contract. I got an elevator pitch. We'll do a chopstick plot. Come on. No, come on. It's fine. We got a meal. Come on. Let's do it. Like just that. That'd be fun. But it's like we got to pick. What's like an inside Hollywood movie? I, I don't know. You're, sh- you're really struggling on this I'm one. I'm sorry. I can smell the like, gears in your brain grinding to a halt. You got to get some WD-40 I like on the it. live action remakes of Peter Pan. But, but not Disney. But it's not Disney. I love that live action I Peter Pan. I love it so I much. I guess it's just an adaptation of the play. Well, that's the thing about Peter Pan is that it, all the magic in Peter Pan was achievable in a stage Same play. Thing. It was. and I, I But I love that one from whatever, the early 2000s. Yeah, I the love Jason that. Isaacs version. It's so good. I Hook. love that. Yeah. And so I don't want Disney to do one because I love, that, I love that one so much. But Disney could do that. The score to that film is so incredible. Oh. Bum, bu, 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 the bum, scenes. Bum, I just think it's, it's aesthetically beautiful. It touches me. I cry. Yeah. Oh, I, I freaking. That's probably one of the early movies that I cried at. Yeah. It, it touched me emotionally, and I was it's so in love movie. with the kid that played Peter yeah. Pan. Big I time. mean, you were a child at the time, so that was normal. No, but I feel like you could correct some of Disney's mistakes yeah. with Peter Pan. Particularly the, the representation, representation of Native, Native Americans. Americans. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest, because Peter Pan, I loved that movie when I was Great a kid, movie. but somehow I had blocked out all the insensitivity from my memory, and then looking back on it, it is such a huge chunk of the film that is like that. It's a lot. And then the live-action version of Peter Pan we're talking about, um, Tiger Lily is in the film. She actually speaks the Cherokee language on screen. She says that Captain Hook smells like bear poop in the uh, Cherokee language, which it's is not the most sensitive, no. but it's better. Than it's still the highly other stereotypical, but she speaks. You know, Tiger Lily doesn't have like dialogue in the version that Disney does, which is playing into the derogatory stereotype of the silent Native American. Um, and then, and in then the, when they have the Native Americans speak, it's not exactly. No, crazy. it's horrible. It's actually it's horrific. so horrible. We shouldn't even talk about no. it because I'm cringing. I'm about so it. sad. Like it's so but horrible. But we love that movie. If you just take out that part. But here's the thing: I don't want to see Disney get rid of it. I would I like to see, see them get rid of it. Do something interesting with it and make fun Native American characters. But then you have the thing of like, why are why is every Native American gotta be? In an old-timey Native American, why can't we have a modern-day Native American character who is living their life, still attached to their heritage in some way, but like just living life in the modern times? Why is it that I just Hollywood think we could never replace it as anything else too? Like, I, well, I, I don't know. Some then... versions have done that. The stage play they do uh, Peter Pan meeting a tribe of like Amazons who are like wearing all like leaf garments and stuff, and it's no, like, but then you're that. denying. I think the reason they put Native Americans in there is because like that was a thing that kids played. They played. Cowboys and Indians, like that was a, a thing kids yeah. played. So that would be just like you play pirates, like that would be in your imaginary world. Yeah. Kids pretend to be plenty of other things. I think you could put in a Peter number Pan of meets the astronauts. Yeah, well, no, because this took place in early London, but you know, I mean, anything yeah, else. Yeah, but I just, I just wish that there was either some good Native American representation, or we just ignored Peter Pan forever and stopped like marketing Peter Pan and then cutting out right. all Native American characters because. Then it's like you're denying Native American actors and creators uh, work. Like it's, it's a double edged sword. It is a double edged sword, but like you know, they dug us in this hole in the first. It is place. an old movie. My point is, they could remake it in some way that you know, if they yeah. had to. But I also like the Peter Pan live action versions yeah. that exist. And I was gonna say I'd like to see a like a, a villain movie about Captain Hook, but yeah. we kind of have that i feel a little bit yeah like that well that's more about grown-up peter pan i'm not sure why it's called hook no but i feel like even in the no can we what is why is it called hook i cannot explain to you how long oh they did that they did that prequel just called pan 
where uh, oh, Hugh Jackman is like Blackbeard. And then there's a young Captain Hook. Hmm. There is a prequel. Uh, one of the Tinkerbell movies, I believe it's Tinkerbell and the Pirate Treasure, but I'm not sure. It's uh, t- um, oh, Tom Hiddleston does a voice in it. He's young Captain Hook. Oh. So there's like elements of this, but as a big movie, that could be Jake fun. Jake and the Neverland Pirates take place post-Peter Pan? Post-Peter Pan. Okay. Yeah. Molly. Okay. This is the longest episode it's of our so podcast. It's so long. It's long. We have Let's to wrap end. it up. There, but let me just, is there any live action movies we didn't address that were remakes? I mean, if there is, I think it speaks a little bit about how forgettable they are. There you go. Um, um, is there any you're excited to see that are coming out? I Can I say something? Yeah. I'm excited for their remake of Lilo and Stitch the same way I was hyped for Cats. Because- That's not real though, right? It's going to Disney+. Plus. No, oh, it's real? I thought it was just a bit. I think there was a fake image of what people said. Oh, Stitch will look like this, and it was a hideous drawing of something. I am excited for that. Again, the same way I was excited for Cats, just like, this could really sort of, you know. This could scar a lot of people. Yak it up all over the carpet. Um, I think The Little Mermaid will be cool. I, I don't think, think we need it, but I think I think it might cool. be good. Because the Little Mermaid Broadway musical was not a smash the way that... Oh, but that live one was so bad. I was not a huge fan. I mean, it was hysterical to see John Stamos in it. And I think Queen Latifah did a good job, I, but it was I bad. like Queen Latifah. I am interested to see what Melissa McCarthy will do. I, yeah. I'm a big Melissa McCarthy fan. I believe she can do Melissa anything. Fans. At the same time, it's... It's just like looking at Ursula and kind of like, I wish she had a movie, not just because it would be fun to see why she hates Triton and what the deal is with her sister from the direct video sequel, but also just because like Ursula is obviously modeled on uh, Divine, who is a, a drag queen, and that's more of that villainizing the other. And it would be cool to see like, just like a fun movie about that character where she's not the bad guy, or just make a new character who is not evil and yeah. represents that aspect of culture. Um, Molly. I did we miss one? I, I am excited so. for Mulan. I'm interested to see Mulan. I have mixed feelings about Mulan because I, I I know the controversy surrounding the music in Mulan, but I love it. I can't pretend yeah. that I don't. Like those are jams. I'll make a man out of you. I think everyone loves that song, and so well, Donny like, Osmond loves it. Like I just I just tell me a different story. That's the thing is like if you want to give me this awesome action movie that as you know all these Asian actors and all this stuff like go for it. But why is it gonna be the same? Well, because to be fair, the Disney version of Mulan is, and I have a point. I'm gonna get around Molly, so don't okay. yell at me yet. The Disney movie Mulan is an appropriation of the 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 legend of yes. Fa Mulan from Chinese culture. So to do a more accurate version of that or to do a less Americanized version is totally legit. But to then market that with the music from the Americanized uh, Western version and to still use elements of that sort of, uh, you know, quote unquote bastardized version of Mulan, to use those elements to sell it to the audience instead of just saying, no, we're doing authentic Chinese storytelling here. I think that's the business side of Disney leaking through the creative aspects of it. Hmm. To go like, hey, listen to this song. Do you like this song? Of course you do. You heard it when you were a baby. So you like you like the song Reflection, and that's the music in the trailer. So now you'll come see it. And it's like, doesn't that undermine any attempt to go like, oh, no, we're being authentic to real Chinese mythology? And it's like, really? Because you're still using that late 90s power ballad to sell it a song that who who did the radio version was that christina aguilera who's saying like there's like a radio version of it um i don't know i have mixed feelings because on the one hand like sure you want to correct that and have uh something more authentic sure 
But that's the thing is like that's what I feel about so many of these movies is like it's half assed. Like yeah. either give me a totally different story or give me the story that I know and love. And I love the music in Mulan. And yeah, I think it's nice that you'll incorporate it some way. But you're right. If that's going against what your mission was, yeah. the only reason you're doing it is because you're saying that you believe people will not come see a movie yeah. that is just and you're totally, about this. you were totally right about like trying to correct the, what you were saying about the princesses earlier. Yeah. Where you're like, because, um, you know, like a good example would be Beauty and the Beast. If you feel that the central concept of Beauty and the Beast, just from a, just the optics of it, mm-hmm. of a woman falling in love with a man who is technically keeping her prisoner, mm-hmm. and you ignore the nuances of the film and all that, if you just inherently think that's wrong, and you're totally entitled to, if you think that's wrong... There is no point trying to make that movie that, more right. appealing. Don't go. Stop trying to go back and fix these things. Aladdin from 1992. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. It is a fun movie. But I will be the first person to admit it is problematic as hell. That it is wrought with stereotypes. It is rooted in stereotypes. Some might say that the movie was made by a bunch of white guys because it was. Uh, it is not good representation. No. And to go back and try to jury rig that into representation without being willing to make big changes. He's so half-assed. And that is the big problem is like make – and that's the thing about Disney is that like, okay, great. You did this movie with actual uh, ethnically appropriate actors. What else are you doing for that ethnicity group? What other Middle Eastern uh, stories are we getting? Is your next princess movie going to be about that? No. Are you going to do like a fun action comedy with Middle Eastern characters? No. Uh, Marvel Studios is having a, a Pakistani lead, uh, Kumail Nanjiani. He's he's from Pakistan. He's uh, he's playing a lead in the Eternals. But that's not Disney Studios. That's Marvel making their own choice. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to continue. You don't do one right. and then say and we then got have it. To do it well. That's you know. Tiana in Princess and the Frog is a black princess, and we had that in what two thousand nine. Yep. What have we had since? We've had eight more white princesses. Frozen gave us two different white princesses. We have an abundance of these Scandinavian ladies. Can we, like, what's wrong with, like, two black ladies? Don't you know that Norway needed representation? Oh, yes. I forgot that because Norway has an Epcot pavilion. No, but I I get that. That's That's a Norwegian tale. Then fine, fine, fine. But just give me another story then. Like, and that's the thing is, and that's what bothers me. Like you're saying, like the correcting of the characters bothers me with Mulan. Well, you don't want to have Li Shang there because all the various reasons they say. I don't think so. He adds such an element to Mulan's character, I think, personally. I think you get to see, you see the misogyny there. You see the the toxic masculinity there, I feel. And you, they don't end up getting married at the end of it. It doesn't end with their wedding. And, you know, there's... There, I think him being there adds so much mm-hmm. personally. I think he creates such a good foil to Mulan. Yeah. People want to see the movie black and white. Mm-hmm. Either it's problematic or it was ahead of its time. And the truth is that the movie consciously goes all shades of gray. That is the interesting mm-hmm. thing about Mulan. There, you, you read criticisms of Mulan. People say, you know... Well, you know, she she doesn't accomplish things until she uh, dresses as a man. But the truth is that to accomplish killing all the Huns, yeah. she has to take her hair out of the bun. She has to be. She has to remove her disguise. Right. She gives up her disguise to save her her fellow soldiers. At the end of the movie, the men have to dress as women to accomplish things. Right. There are shades of gray within this movie because that is still a valid criticism that she has to dress as a man because but, of her society. Or- that's just a fucking representation of the fucking 
misogyny women face all yeah, the time. Sure. You know, she couldn't be in the army because yes. she was a woman. But at the same time, what right do... And then do... she proved herself yes. just as worthy, if not more worthy, than every other man there. Right, but shouldn't Disney, an American company, have made a critique of American misogyny instead of going like, oh, in the old times in no, China, they no. were misogynist. Yes, they you should know, have. So it's all shades of gray. But, but we it, as a society it's... just want to label it kind of good or bad when in reality, that movie was probably great for a lot of people's self-esteem. It's probably very empowering to a lot of people. Um, but, you know, to just say like, it's bad or it's good, we, we can't really do that with a movie. And when we see the new Mulan, we'll stamp it well, good or bad, well. like we always do. Molly, what are we doing with our lives? I don't know, Danny. I don't know. Molly. We're making a really long podcast. Bow, 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 if you bow. like this length of the podcast, please let us know yeah. at the Pants Podcast on Twitter. Yeah. Um, you could send us an email if you're feeling it at the Pants Are Too Tight Podcast at gmail.com. You could follow us on Instagram at the Pants Are Too Tight to see fun behind the scenes <laughs> shit that we haven't made You'll get up to, yet. We'll take a picture of how we put the socks on the on microphones because we couldn't get a pop filter in time and to record. And you can use hashtag everything is gray. Hashtag everything is gray. It is not a Fifty Shades of Gray thing. That episode comes nope, later. No, but the people who didn't listen won't know. If you made it to the end of this podcast, I guess you also hate live action remakes. You're also filled with, but Molly, Shades of Gray. There are good ones. There are good ones. We there liked Cinderella. Ones. Well, so please let us know which ones you like, which ones yeah. you don't like, oh. your critiques, your love, if you agree with me on how the Grinch stole Christmas, or if you completely disagree and you love all these live action remakes, if you have some support, let us know. You can send us, us hate mail. You can like, send us hate mail. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll read it. it. We, yeah. We've already got low self-esteem, so we're fine. Yeah, no, you um, can't. Listen. You can't. You can't dig deeper than rock bottom. No. That's a fact. <laughs> um, Let us know if there is a... Disney movie you'd like to see as a live action remake yes. or if there's any you're particularly excited and for. And hey, if you have like a thing that is bothering you, yeah, much how we express our grievances, send it to us. Maybe something's been digging under your skin and we'll go, oh my God, Maybe something's digging under your nails and you can help us scrape Scratch on the that chalkboard. chalkboard. Ring the bell, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel free to subscribe. Leave reviews on iTunes. Say all sorts of nice things about us. Tell your friends. Tell your parents. Tell your enemies and make them listen to this horrible podcast. Do whatever. Yeah, um, just, we can't tell you what to do. We can't yeah. say to live your life. And hey, if you're confused about any of the different social media handles and things, it's all in the description of the podcast. Guys, we love you. Molly, this has been another really great episode of this show. Wow. We're, just we're succeeding. You're it out of the park. You're just telling we're, them right, right Oh, I have my there. opinion. They're entitled to theirs. Um, I think today we'll fade out over the song Evermore. <laughs> How dare you? I won't subject our audience to that. Okay. Um, what should we fade out over? Oh, do you want to fade out over... Um, What's a song from the Beauty and the Beast Broadway? Human again? You want to do human again? No, no, I want home. Let's put them out on a real sad note. Oh, no. No, I don't want a downer. No, no. From the Lion King on Broadway. Chow down. Oh, what if we do He Lives in You? That's, no. Okay, chow down chow it is. Down. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to uh, fade out over chow down. Um, and, and I guess we'll record a warning <laughs> for the top <laughs> of the podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.